episode number 11 of the Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods. I am your host, Rob. You can find me on the website as Riffrat. Tonight, I've got with me Kat. Uh, hi. And <laughs> Kay McIntyre, MT, is who I am on the website. Bill? Hello, it's Bill. I'm Nocturne over on the website. And we've got somebody new joining us from the site. We've got Adrian. I'm also known as the Shameful Narcissist. And returning, who we haven't seen in a long time, we've got Reap. Oh, hi. And another new guest tonight, we've got Shannon. Hi. <laughs> um, if the audio sounds a little bit different tonight, um, we are using different equipment. So uh, we want to say a special thanks to Eric for lending us all of his awesome gear for quite a long time. Uh, next episode probably will be sounding a little bit different again, too, because we're going to try out some other new stuff. So just bear with us if the quality is not quite as the same as usual. Uh, but with that aside, uh, let's go ahead and kick off tonight. So my first question for everybody tonight is this. So we all know the classic, um, what is it, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, I think? Year Without a Santa Claus. Year Without a Santa Santa Claus. Claus. Okay, so there's two characters that we all know very clearly from that show. That was the Heat Miser and then the Snow Miser. So the question for tonight is, would you rather be Heat Miser or Snow Miser? And tonight I'm going to go ahead and start with Bill. This is a tough one (laughs) because I love the summer. I love the heat. I love going to, you know, just hang out at the beach. Have the sun beat down, just relax, and you know, let that let that sun, let that heat really get oh, out. The burning, the burning. Oh God, the burning. I'm not as pale as you, Kat. <laughs> I am not afraid of the burn. The burn's good. Feel the burn. Um, but I also love the snow. I love the cold. Um, however, I, I gotta say, I don't like the wind that usually comes with the cold. Okay, that's fair. If it's if it's moderately cold outside and there's a breeze, I am frigid. If there's no wind and it's minus 40, I'm fine. <laughs> um, although, I, you know, honestly, I think I can deal with, with the cold better, so I think I'd go with Snow Miser on this one. Snow Miser, okay, fair. Uh, Adrian, how about you? Well, I have taken many, many, many internet tests, and... Um, <laughs> I seem to um, belong to House Stark, and we all know the words of House Stark are winter is coming. Um, I would have to go with um, Snow Miser just because I I like to jog, and um, it is far, far easier to jog when it is cold out than when it's like, you know, 100 degrees and humid, so... I can can see that. I I mean, at the same time, when it's freezing cold, because like me and Kat did the couch to 5K last year in like the break of winter... Yeah. So it was like some of those times you're like chugging along and just like swallowing. You feel like you're getting the, brain freeze as you're running. The only issue I have <laughs> yeah. is like if there's like ice on the ground, then mm-hmm. you have to worry about, you know, slipping and falling. Yeah. Um, but other than that, you know, and if it's windy, the wind will see your breath. The wind will do that even if it's warm. So I don't, you know, I appreciate the summer. You know, I like I like the beach. You know, my you know my birthday's in April, so it's warmer then. But I also I, I also love Christmas, so I gotta, go, I gotta go with Snow Miser. Okay, I, I I think I just heard you say that the cold and the ice is snow bueno. <laughs> <sighs> I'm starting hard and fast tonight. Apparently, I got the fire in me. <laughs> burning inside. <laughs> All right, um, Andrew. Oh heavens! <laughs> this is pretty tough. I mean, if you look at both of the characters, the heat miser is 
always, he's jumping around, he is flaming, he is flamboyant, he has <laughs> fire fl- coming out of his fingertips, and he can really crank up the heat. Glorious. Bam. That <laughs> <laughs> wasn't fun. Yeah, yeah, it kind of was. It was fun. It was all right. It's, it was weak, but it's still worth Oh, there's going to be a lot then. <laughs> At the same point in time, the snow miser, he just really knows how to chill you to the bone. Uh, <laughs> and meanwhile, Tim is on the couch playing Smash Brothers, so if crying, you're clicking crying and crying, that will be coming from Tim. <laughs> clicking and crying. But you know, he's also a pretty ice guy. <laughs> oh, God. I'm going to have to take the bell away in like 10 minutes to this episode. I know it. And it's not even my I know fault. it's not. <laughs> But to be yeah, fair, I think I gotta give the heat miser a little bit love. I I think that I am more of a caliente type of person. I like it spicy and I like it hot. <sighs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Kat? Because you have su- uh, sung this song many a time, so is your family. Uh, so. Mr. <laughs> um, I go with heat miser. Heat miser. Hands down. I do not fare well in the cold, and I am someone who loves humidity. It's really weird. You I know reg- most people hate it. You don't register humidity. I don't. No, I really enjoy it. Well, I'm always sweaty, so it's like, <laughs> it really just doesn't make Tell a difference. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, you know, this when it's cold, I just, no, I don't work well with that. I can, but like midsummer, even in like the really bad heat, I'm fine, as long as I have cold and I'm not getting burned outside. So, I mean, if I were, like, spurting flames like the heat miser, I wouldn't have to worry about sunburn. You wouldn't That'd be, be pretty awesome. You probably wouldn't be sweating either because it would just be coming off his It would dissolve, yeah. yeah that would it would be like, like when we were in Las Vegas I many, many moons that. ago. You're the princess of the rash guard. <laughs> yeah, right. It'd be beautiful. How about you, Shannon? Actually, that wasn't even a question I knew the second I looked at it. <laughs> but I was going to play devil's advocate because it seemed like everyone was choosing Snowmeister first. And, well, I can't go against my character here. I don't like the heat. Um, I pretty I'm, I'm, I'm Snow White. I don't know if I was you just going to say that. I'm like, your favorite character is Snow White. <laughs> I just... Am and uh, I feel like Heatmeister, no offense, kind of has a little bit of an inferiority pro- complex in mind. <laughs> I'm like, I don't really, I don't feel the need to have to prove myself. I just exist, and that's enough. That's totally <laughs> fair. So, um, Mr. Cool here, Snowmeister. Okay, Very cool. Nice. Um, now, for me, I kind of broke this down in the geekiest way I could think of, so I'm going to correlate them both to DC comic book characters. Ooh, oh, really? really? So, Heatmeister to me looks like uh, that firestorm that let himself go at the age of about 50. <laughs> so it looks like he's just been kicking it up. He's got the huge pot belly. He also kind of looks a little bit like Coach McGurk from home movies, too. With kind of like, <laughs> um, so I'm going to say that's where I'm thinking him. But like when I think Snow Miser, though, too, I also my brain goes back to the movie Batman and Robin with because um, Arnold Schwarzenegger totally sang this oh, song yeah. with his lackeys in the movie. Yeah. Like, we yes. had everybody dressed up in parkas, kind of like, sing, sing! Oh and I'm like, god, oh dear god. That's so, so it's like, middle aged, fat firestorm. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mr. Freeze. So I have to say, as much as I hate the heat, I'm gonna go with Heat Miser because it's still not the atrocity that killed the Batman. Oh god. So, 
So, uh, but ice puns. I know. know. There were so many. Oh, so that's so all, nice. That's all that movie was. <laughs> that whole movie was just nothing but puns. It was magical. Oh god. Yeah, so painful. All right. So to kick off this evening, since it is December, and I will say this too, we didn't get an episode before this one, which you should have. But this will probably be the only episode we may see in December. We're trying to might try to squeeze another one in. But so we're gonna try to get in all of our holiday spirit tonight. Um, so Yay. the best way I can kick this off is Bill came up with a really awesome idea. And his yeah, thought was, Bill. what if Santa Claus was a D&D character? And how you would build that? So I'm just going to kick it over to you, because I'm really curious to see where you went with this. So, uh, if you really think about it, the, the, the idea of Santa Claus, the mythology behind Santa Claus, um, you, you can really trace it back hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, probably about... 1600, 1700 years old. Okay. Think about what that does to a human in D&D terms. Yeah, their strength, their constitution, their dexterity will go down, but their wisdom, intelligence, and charisma goes off the charts. (laughs) So he's got super high intelligence, super high wisdom, super high charisma scores. He's got magical powers, which... I don't think anybody's really tried to classify his magical powers, but he's definitely on par with uh, very, very high-level wizards um, or sorcerers, whatever you know, whatever you want to throw there. Uh, so he's got these uh, the stats that are off the charts that correlate with being a wizard or sorcerer. Um, <laughs> and you know, if he's that high level, he can certainly cast spells to buff his strength and dexterity and constitution all the time. He has uh, eternal life. Um, like Jesus. And, yeah. <laughs> so, I and mean, Mormons. He's, he's not, he's not going to he's not going to die by you know old age or or natural causes. Um, let's see what else. Uh, he also has this kind of a pacifism aura around them. You know, even if you were trying to you know were to try to fight Santa Claus, you really couldn't because you get around him and then. You feel like, oh, wait a minute, he's such a jolly guy. I'm just going to be so happy and I'm going to be friendly with him. I- I'm going to jump in right here because you're already saying in D&D terms, if you, if you and your party were drinking at a tavern and found that Santa Claus was in town, let's be honest, everybody's like, we're going to go attack Santa Claus. You oh, would, yeah, given the D&D campaign. Think about, think about the epic loot that you would pull from killing Santa. Oh, true. Oh, okay. <laughs> really think, high experience. He'd be, think, yeah, he'd be and also think about boss. the high experience. And he, the chaos of a D&D campaign. Like, <laughs> so much of this, like, an evil high-level bard. <laughs> like, god-level. <laughs> like, the, he, he's enslaved an entire totally race. Technically, he's That's true. Yeah. Making him all the loot. He's got high levels of animalism. from Harry Potter. This is true. So if you take down Santa, actually, then what would Mrs. Claus be in this mix? Because, like, he would have the animalism because he's got reindeer. Like, whoa. Um, That's what the bard's at. High enough level. Yeah. He's got the elves. He can probably control the weather in some ways. Well, it depends if he's good or evil. And time. He's a time lord. I I think he's got some time lord powers going on. He would probably be lawful good. I would assume. Yeah. yeah. I, I would think he'd be lawful yeah. good. Or at least oh. neutral good. He'd actually be neutral good because he doesn't give anything to the bad kids. Correct. But, like, what if you were to take the Santa Claus legend in Krampus and turn him into one person? Maybe, like, all the bad kids, like, he goes out and slays in a world of D&D, but all the good kids, he gives them presents. Explain Krampus. Yeah. Just seems 
Um, Krampus is like <laughs> this, like... Maybe the whole elf thing. It's right? what? It's a couple weeks... It's the week before... Um, Are the elves the elves? <laughs> I would actually make it el- elves kobolds. Oh yeah. God. They yeah. would be like kobolds. Kobolds or, or halflings. That halflings would work. Too. Aww. Uh, I can see that. because they, But they would attack in mass. Halflings. So... And then I and go take him to Isengard. Just make it an entire. So uh, Krampus, the Krampus yeah. Okay, so Krampus, I believe it's what it's. It started in Germany. Okay, I believe as where anything good starts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, good yeah, <laughs> good being relative. Uh, I don't know why, but okay, sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So I think it, I, I, I don't know when it started, but um, I want to say it, it celebrated a week before Christmas. And basically what it was, was, I guess, um, anybody that wasn't good, um, Krampus is basically translates into the anti-claws. He's like a really, he's almost like he's, a demonic he's, character. He's like, basically supposed to be the equivalent of the devil that comes up and takes and punishes the bad children before the Feast of Satan. Is it like Santa Slay? No, it, it is specifically, like, if you ever see depictions of Krampus, it is a demon with a sack of children in, over his shoulder. That sounds like, he collects, he collects, he's supposed to collect and punish all of the bad children before oh. Christmas. That's the whole purpose of, like, what Krampus is. So instead he's of Saint giving Nicholas, them cold, they may, they become the cold? He, he's St. Nicholas's dark companion. Yes. I've got the Wikipedia. <gasps> That's so uh-huh. neat. Like a clown, uh. um, like a clown Santa? Krampus is a beast-like <laughs> creature be awesome. from the folklore of Alpine countries thought to punish children during the Christmas season who had misbehaved in contrast with St. Nicholas who rewards well-behaved ones with gifts. Krampus is said to capture particularly naughty children and drag them off into the Black Forest. Krampus represented as a beast-like creature, generally demonic in appearance. The creature has roots in Germanic folklore. Traditionally, young men dress up as, as the Krampus in Austria, Rome, in Austria, Austria Romania, right. Southern Bavaria, South Tyrol, Northern Friuli, Czech Republic, Slovakia, Hungary, Slovenia, and Croatia. So next year, can we have a Krampus party? That's we awesome. can do a Krampus party. Actually, the cool thing Super is, um, cool. like, I'm, I know one of the people here that keeps up with Kevin, Kevin Smith like crazy, um, and uh, he's actually everybody knows he's doing right now a series called the True North trilogy, which it started with Tusk. Then it's going to be uh, Yoga Hosers is the second movie, and the third one is called Moose Jaws. And that's his Canadian trilogy. Um, then he's also doing another um, film that it's um, his wife, Jennifer Schwalbach. Um, Andy McElfer, who was a writer for The Tonight Show, um, and himself and one other person. Each one of them is directing um, something similar to The Creep Show. Um, they're doing okay. a horror series, and it's called um, uh, Anti-Claws, or originally it was going to be called Kroppischnacht. Uh, and it's... Krampus Night. And it's it's going to be basically what Trick or Treat was. They're telling one full story going through the lives of everybody that's involved with Krampus in that's the course nuts. of one night. And they're filming, uh, shooting it, I think, in Philadelphia, too. So it should be pretty cool. I think they started filming, uh, they started just filming recently. Well, the so, question is, who would win in a fight between Santa Claus and Krampus? I think it would be, it would equal out. You think it would equal out? They, they're definitely two halves of a the hole. same basic enemy, mm, so... Yeah. Yeah, they, they would have equal power levels, and uh, they would just kind of neutralize each other until they both were exhausted. A Krampus loft <laughs> is a run of celebrants dressed as the beasts, often fueled by alcohol. It is customary <laughs> to offer a Krampus oh, like schnapps, this. a I strong like distilled fruit brandy. These runs may include 
Perch ten, similarly wild pagan spirits of dramatic folklore and sometimes female representation, although the perch were probably associated with the period between winter solstice and the sixth of January. Oh, cool. So this is this so, is and this is from Wikipedia. And Wikipedia's God <laughs> The Google knows all. Yes. The Wikipedia knows more. That almost was really bad. My computer was trying to update and was about to crash and completely shut down. Oh, so. God! So we yeah. saved it! <laughs> Thank yeah. you, Shannon. Perception score. <laughs> Shannon saved Christmas! I made the podcast! It's a Christmas miracle! Oh, Christmas miracle! Okay, so the big question is, though, honestly, if we were, if the six of us were a D&D campaign, Bill, do you think... No. At we would never, out, we no. would never be able to take you down Santa. We would never be able to take down Santa because you could never start a fight with Santa. He his his holly jolly aura <laughs> is just too <laughs> fucking strong. That. It would diffuse any ill will towards Santa or any not even ill will, but like loot gaining will. It's got like a cheer charm. I feel as though um, if you did start with Santa, I I think Santa would kick all of our asses. Oh, of course. That, that as well. Um, I have no doubt in my mind. But nobody well. wants to, but he doesn't want to fight. That's why he has the passivity aura around him, because mm-hmm. nobody wants to fight Santa, because inherently we know that Santa would beat the shit out of us. <laughs> Do we have like, a really good spellcaster here? Hmm? In oh, in our... Who would be the best spellcaster? Sure. Do we have like a good one? Sure, because I'm thinking we could just like you know, undo or revert, alter the spell that's on like all Santa's minions, like the <gasps> reindeer. Oh, okay, Let me put it this way: you're trying to cast a dispel on Santa's holly jolly aura, mm. which I, I no, it, no, not, not on Santa's aura. On the enslavement, so you're gonna break break the enslavement. That's you're gonna break the enslavement. What when level? Not here, around. what level caster are you? Just, just throw out a number. I I'll no tell idea. you. You know, you, <laughs> let's say this game is gone enough. Why don't you throw out a number? Okay. Well, let's say this game has gone on for. I don't think I've been in a D and D. It's a weekly game that has gone gone on for a little shy of ten years. <laughs> a little shy of ten years. You're probably around Path, level Pathfinder rules. Uh, level thirty. Okay, thirty or so. So that's pretty pretty hefty. Oh, that's pretty. Sorcerer. That's pretty hefty. Santa's got deity levels of every single stat imaginable, mm-hmm. and he's probably 50 plus. He's a god tier character. Do you think you can kill a god? No, or we're break, saying. Or even break a spell cast by a uh, god. That's fair. I would just ask him for a present. <laughs> and that's exactly what you would do if you ever tried to fight him or fight the elves. Okay. Then I'm going to follow this up. So we're going to say we agree as a party not to fight Santa, but ask for a present. You are a D&D character. You sit on Santa's lap. What do you ask for, Reed? Oh, that is a very difficult question. A god-class D&D character, a deity, that's willing to give you anything because you have been such a good adventurer this year, is going to give you whatever you ask for. What do you ask for? Hmm. Off the top of my head, honestly... Probably a candy cane that never went away. (laughs) A never-ending candy cane. Never-ending candy cane. The eternal candy cane. Shannon. I want his death and all his things. (laughs) (laughs) That's phenomenal. Bill, how about you? I want to say... uh, Yeah, okay. I did confirm this. Um, Because I've always loved it, I want a deck of many things. 
A deck of many things. A deck of many things is a dick of many things. A dick of many things would not be as glorious. Swiss Army dick. Uh, but uh, no, the, the deck of many things is a fantastic. It's a it's like a major wondrous item in D anD. Uh, it's a deck of cards that you flip a card from the deck. You pull a card from the deck, flip it, and then something happens. Whether it gives you a million gold, or summons a greater dragon to fight you, or just automatically kills you, it can do almost anything, good or bad. That's a good choice. That's a, good That's a really choice. massive double-edged sword, though. I'm it's not really sure. fun. It's really fun to play with. Because as a DM, you say, here, players, here's a deck of many things. Your deck has, oh, because you can, you can choose how many cards are in your deck. You say, well, it's got 20 cards in it. And then you, the players start the wheels turning, thinking, oh, God, what kind of cards could it be? It could be a card that <laughs> gives me a super powerful magic weapon. Or it could be the death card that just instantly kills my character, sends him to the underworld, never to be resurrected again. <laughs> okay. You know what else is fun to play with? The dick of many things. The dick of many things yeah. would be kind of fun to play with. It's <laughs> uh, kind of fun. But just for a Saturday night. Time out. Would the dick of many things have a vagina? It's a dick of many yeah, things. I would assume it probably yes, would, because if it's many it's things. It's like a transformer. Okay, I, t- Tim, Tim jumped up on this conversation, so here, just pull in a little bit. Okay, so, well, if you're giving Santa stats, then he's killable. Because within any, within the realm of d d if you give it stats, it's killable. Yes, yes, okay. I've given Santa stats. Santa is therefore a killable entity. The, the thing with Santa is you can't give him stats. You can give you can give everything stats in D anD. d And okay, are you going to build your team of god tier characters just to kill Santa Claus? <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, I would. Yep. Just for Fine. the challenge. Of Fine. It. Then you kill Santa, <laughs> you and then you have the ill will of <laughs> all the children of all the world for all time. Let's let's put the rules on this. If you yeah. kill Santa, you are forced to become Santa. It's like the Santa Claus. There you go. <laughs> it's the Santa Claus. <laughs> it's it's Santa's curse. It's the curse of Santa. Santa has been cursed with eternal life it's like in Highlander. order to bring so joy to everyone. And he with just, great Santa's joy. Santa's begging for death. It's like Halloween. He's so tired of being jolly. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah, there you go. Just remake Highlander. It's two Santas doing it out. When oh, one Santa falls, one Santa rises. <laughs> that can only be one. It reminds me of the Jolly Boots of Doom. Yay, Invaders in. I really feel like you were about to say, with great joy comes great, great responsibility. <laughs> I was going to go there, and I was like, no, everybody's already expecting it. Thanks, Uncle Ben. <laughs> the rice? <laughs> Thank you, Tim, for joining in on the pun. Hey. <laughs> hey, well, I wasn't really working yeah. a pun there. Yeah. Was it was, it was it a was little. A it, it was in the realm of pun puntivity. Yeah. <laughs> a puntivity a scene. P- oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Adrian, Adrian, so what would you ask for from the almighty, powerful Santa for your D and D character? I get it. Wait, for my D and D character? It's your D and D character. Your D and D character gets one magical item that is on your character sheet that will last. Oh, hmm. I just thought I was want it for myself. <laughs> oh, I know, right? <laughs> wow, this mic picks up everything. <laughs> um, I don't. Oh God, I was thinking about what I wanted for myself. I don't know what I want for my D and D character. Um, 
Um, he could pull a Benedict Cumberbatch out of his bag for you. I mean, but how's that going to help my D? How's that going to help my D and D character? I have a never-ending candy cane. <laughs> <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch is Sherlock and Smaug. And all these characters combined. But I mean, there's also I mean, anytime I, you had a connection, I could also get Doctor Strange. By the way, I could, I, I could also get a Tom Hiddleston and I can get Loki. Oh, that's true. You know? And you know, Loki is like the quintessential, <laughs> you know, be, besides being other things. Um, so you could have a pocket one, and you could just come out. I could also ask. Things. I could also ask for an angel, that's which would be pretty cool. awesome too. That's true. Um, because, you know, I, w- I wish I had an angel. You could summon an... Ah, ha, ha, yay. Nightwish pun. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I, I I mean, one one of those one of those three things, I mean, I, I don't know if I could pick which one I, which one I want it, but, you What's the first thing that goes to your mind? Um, I, I would pick an angel, because I, okay. I, I want Sephiroth, so, I mean, okay. that's, that's just awesome. Santa Claus gives you a pocket cool. Sephiroth. Okay. <laughs> so How about you? I want an airship. Okay. Right oh. now. Right now. I want flight. It's going to be awesome. Um, <laughs> uh, since we're talking D&D rules, I want a camelback that is full of never-ending liquor. That way, it completely yes. avoids ever needing to go to a tavern ever in a D&D game. And we could work together. And we could work together and make all the peppermint schnapps. Oh my god, we totally could. Yeah. Is it required to go to a tavern in a D&D game? To drink peppermint schnapps. No, but like every D&D game always ends in a tavern at some point. Oh my time. god, it's like... Or starts in a tavern. Or starts in a tavern. Starts in taverns. But common. like, you no longer have to go there. Like, you have to go there still for like, okay, we're in a new town and we need to find out what our mission is. <laughs> Let's go to the tavern. We need tavern. plot. Yeah. Go to the plot tavern. Yeah. Yes. Plot tavern. the Jolly Boots of Doom song stuff like, in my head. Why? Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's kind of like that. The well, old... I don't play D and D, so I really want. It's okay. Oh, and we got to say this too. Uh, Bill watched it with us the other day. Uh, if you have Netflix, there's a new movie that is now on Netflix that Cat had found. Um, and if you are fans of some of the cast from True Blood, uh, the guy that plays Jason is the lead. Uh, Summer Glau from Sir, uh, Firefly is in the show. Um, then um, the guy that plays Liam McPoyle from Always Sunny. Yeah. Uh, is one of the cast of characters, Danny Pudi from Communities in it, and Peter Dinklage. Yes. Uh, and the movie is called The Knights of Badassdom. Don't forget Steve Zahn! And, and Steve Zahn! Zahn. And Steve Zahn. Steve Zahn. Oh my god. Zahn. If you've ever LARPed or liked metal music, it's amazing. It is. It's so amazing. So I'm gonna be in love. It was like my high school experience What's in it one called movie. Again? I was so happy. The Knights, happy. Knights of Badassdom. <laughs> it is one of those definitely direct-to-DVD style movies, but ultimately, it's still a lot of fun. It's not good. It's so good. <laughs> no, it's, it's one. Of, so it's a cult movie that's good. not good. All right, you and me watched um, the Angry Video Game Nerd movie. It is still better than that as a bad movie. That is just fun to watch. That's, it's true because <laughs> at least with Knights of Badassdom, it's consistently bad. It's consistently bad, but silly, and it's one of those things. It's that's so bad, but it makes you. Know. It makes you happy. But it has good people. It has. Good it's people bad in it. the way that like Evil Dead is. Yeah, it's, or Santa it, it's, Claus conquers the Martians, or Santa Slay. It's so ridiculous yeah. and silly and yeah. goofy. It's oh my god! I mean, like Peter Dinklage gets summoned as like and like has red <laughs> glowing eyes as the guy who played uh, Jason Trueblood. I don't remember the dude. Ryan Quantin Ryan like Quantin. plays yeah. a metal song on top to defeat the demon that comes. It's awesome. <laughs> oh, oh yeah! Oh yeah! Spoilers! Spoilers! We just told you the end of the movie. <laughs> 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 <Yep>. <laughs> But anyway, if you like stupid, silly cult movies, this is just 
fun because it's dumb, it knows it's dumb, and it never Our treats itself seriously. fight with the power of metal. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, it's so, like the crowning music of awesome. Yeah. Yes. Minotaur okay, takes well. the beast. <laughs> <laughs> so to move things along a little bit, um, one of the other things, too, since we, we did our talk of Santa here, um, that obviously makes me think is, what is everybody here's favorite holiday movie? Um, I know, like, I'll kick it off real quick. Like, I know, like, there's all those great classic memories, but, like, even if I have to tie it down to, like, that present when you were a kid that you never thought you'd get and be like, holy crap, I can't believe it. And, like, that, like, you know, everybody remembers the N64 kid video that opens up the boxes, freaking out and screaming all over the house. Um, like, is there anything like that or, like, a, a holiday memory that just sticks out for you that always puts you in the Christmas spirit when you think about it? Any of those kind of things? I'll jump in. Okay. Um, I've got a couple. And and one that, I mean, I really wish I could say it's my own memory, but it's it's a little too early for me to really remember firsthand. Um, I've seen the home movie of it. When I was about four or five, my grandmother of all people, because my mother has been corrected on this many times, she thought it was my, my uncle who would have gotten me this present. But no, it was my grandmother. Yeah. Got me a Power Wheels car that was actually... Situated under the tree. And I drove it inside the house and put it in reverse and backed it into the tree and almost made the tree, the seven foot tall, actual real pine tree, fall on top of me as a four year old. Um, so, so that's, that's fantastic, but, and it's not really, this, this other memory I have really doesn't, I wouldn't say puts me in the Christmas spirit, but it was really, Really, a turning point for me um, in my in, in Christmas belief. I am one of those people. I I am very uh, gullible sometimes, and continued to believe in Santa until I was ten years old. Bill, me too. <laughs> me three. That's enough. That's enough. Yeah. And in the car, driving back from the mall, getting presents for my sisters one day. My mother said, so are you going to come down this year and decorate the tree with us like, you know, like Santa does on Christmas Eve? And I was like, what? What? Do you, are you saying that Santa isn't real? And I broke down crying Aww. like a fucking baby because yeah. that's what I do. Yeah. Because yeah. I've learned that Santa wasn't real when I was 10 years old and couldn't believe it. Yeah. Oh, no, I totally I would be heartbreak broken, too. And then I yeah, learned that. that the Easter Bunny and the Tooth Fairy weren't real either, and mm-hmm. it was all my parents, and that ruined rough. my childhood. I all I gotta say is my brain immediately went to Mallrats. I was like, that over there, that's just some guy in a suit. Totally understand that. Anybody? Well, on the t- since um, I wasn't going to say anything, but since Bill took things a turn for the sad... Uh, Everybody hates Christmas. (laughs) Um, the most, the only, the first Christmas memory that pops into my head is the year that my dog died on Christmas. Oh my god! We're We're just like waking in the Christmas spirit here, aren't we? Crying by the end of this, all bawling. Like me and Kat get choked up watching The Flash. The podcast is going to end in silent sobs. It's just going to be. No, it's okay. He had an autoimmune disease. He had doggy AIDS. He's in a better place. How is that okay? (laughs) No, dude, the Pope confirmed animals go to heaven. Yeah. 
Yeah, now he's in heaven. Yeah. And he's not pissing blood anymore, so it's great. Oh, <laughs> unless he wants to. Well, if he wants to. Who wants to do that? People have weird hobbies, Andrew. He's just know. there wearing little top hats and eating all of the carrots. Oh. Okay, guys, four of you left. Let's, let's bring it back. Bring it back to happiness. There's a chance here. All right. Um, I've got a, I've got a couple. Um, I'll start with the sad one first. Um, I don't know how old I was. I was maybe five or six years old, but we, we had a dog. The dog did not die. It's not that kind of story. But I remember we used to keep our Christmas decorations in the basement. And the dog kind of lived in the basement. And I remember my mom coming upstairs being like, oh, my God. The dog's name was Blackie. Don't judge me. <laughs> the dog, it was a black dog. And my mom was like, Blackie ate Santa Claus. And I started bawling my eyes up. Because I'm like, oh, what? Because it was like the middle of December. And I'm yeah. like, why was Santa here? I, was, I thought, like, I literally oh. thought that, like, the dog had, like, caught, that Santa Claus yeah. had come to, like, case our house to make sure that we were being good. Yeah. And the dog had caught him and ate him and like i i was just beside myself but i totally get happy that. memory is i loved unwrapping presents and um you know so basically my parents would have like some presents that were wrapped and some that were open so we came downstairs we would see like presents around the tree and there would be presents that would be wrapped i loved unwrapping presents and i i said i said like one year to my mom like oh i wish santa would like you know, wrap all the presents or something like that. So she actually took the time to wrap every single one of our presents because, you know, I, I, I awesome. wanted that. That's so that was actually, like, really cool. That is very awesome. How about you, huh? Here, I'll share. I have a confession with the Santa thing <laughs> because it's a weird quirk. I'm, I'm very paranoid, and I've been since I was a kid. I'm super neurotic. So, like, when I was little, I got really – I was always really excited for Santa. Always super excited, but the idea of a stranger coming into my house at night really freaked me out, so I always made sure I went to bed, like, at a reasonable time, because I was so terrified of waking up and Santa being there, because there would be a stranger in my house, and I would freak the fuck out. And you have a house full of guns. (laughs) It's true. It's very true. Yeah. So... That was my confession out of the way. Uh, my favorite Christmas memories, and still are, are the McIntyre family ridiculousness at Christmas, because it's a big Irish family of 40-plus people. And I think, I mean, Rob can attest to this now that he goes to them, but every year there is some sort of drama and hilarity. Usually it's my aunt sobbing in the room over something. Who fucking knows? And wrapping paper. Wrapping paper. Wrapping paper fights. The yep. one, my one aunt got sent to the hospital the one year <laughs> One of, my favorite, one of my favorites, too, is um, <laughs> oh, we God. talked about Sean and Michelle a couple times on the podcast. <laughs> one of my first Christmases with the McIntyres resulted in Kat's cousin, Sean and Michelle, Michelle, having a quick discussion, and Michelle bumped into Sean and resulted his a slight coffee spill. Go ahead. What were you about to um, say? I will put an addendum in this. It was reflex on Sean. It was pure he reflex. Took, um, he took martial arts for years and years and years and years and years and does not deal well with people jostling him. And he was like, he fucking reflex. So, Michelle bumps into Sean. Sean immediately winds up and punches your square in the forehead and to the audible thud. Like, he didn't like, even look. It like was just a square. reflex, like, bam. And she, we just heard it. We were all like... And I start laughing, Michelle's laughing, and then Michelle's we don't see Michelle for, like, 40 minutes. Like, she disappeared and apparently passed out in the bed. But, Not, like, passed out. Like, like she, was just she was kind just of, like, she was just out of it, but uh-huh. it was, like, I'll, that was, for me, I, you know, I'm going to even say that it was probably one of my most memorable Christmas 
<laughs> Rob's like, oh, Christmas this memories. is the McIntyre family. Irish and violence. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so to bounce back with something a little bit more happy and that my dog died on Christmas. By the way, my dog died on Christmas. Oh, we gotta jump back to Cat. This cat was still in the mix. Oh, no, I was done. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, go for it, sir. Um, there was one night where I have a younger sister. And it was Christmas Eve, and she wouldn't sleep. And all I wanted to do was sleep. But she would just sit and nag me and try and wake me up at, like, it was, like, 3 in the morning. And she was going to bed. <laughs> and so to get her to, like, 5.30 when we could go wake up mom and dad to go down for Christmas, I put on a sock puppet puppet show for her in her bedroom oh, in a pillow adorable. fort. adorable. That is oh pretty awesome. Oh, my gosh. That's the most precious How about you, that's an interesting subject. Uh, <laughs> I I was a very um, what's, what's the nice way of saying? It? I was a very imaginative chi- imaginative child. Yeah. Um, <laughs> very imaginative child. Just overthought everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I started putting together that the whole like Santa Claus being a person just didn't make sense, and I look at the globe like the globe. When I was about eight and realized that, like, the North Pole was not land, it was water. So then I decided that Santa Claus was poison? Triton? You know? Oh, yeah. 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 Water god. And all, and, like, his whole scene was down under the sea. That's actually really cool. That is a super cool. A secret. And basically he would, like, send these out rapidly, like, through the ocean channels and oh, then like yeah. send people to actually go through the town to do it. That's a brilliant idea. Yeah, actually. that's very well constructed. Like that. That's really cool. And I was like <laughs> I was about I created that theory about fourth, fifth grade. Yeah. Um and my brother my older brother was like no, just saying it's just not real at all. Like oh. and my and my younger brother at the time was like that I'm pretty sure it's a dude. I'm pretty sure it's just one dude, and they're not lying to us. <laughs> because it's a little kid. Aww. And, um, I think, because we were just hitting that age. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, with the exception of the little one, he, my older brother and I were getting that point where we should have been realizing that Santa... Wasn't Santa. Sorry, um, we're around that age too, when we found yeah. out. <laughs> but I had that whole theory going. Um, and that Christmas, let's see, we went downstairs to look at the presents because that was something we did together. Like, we had a tradition, like my brothers and I, um, and one of the part of the tradition was to go downstairs after our parents went to bed to go mm-hmm. like scope out the presents. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Wink, wink. And yeah. um, all of a sudden, a man stood up and groaned, like over six feet tall. And we went, Holy! like we flipped. Like, oh my god, he is a real person. He's just a man. And he's in our house and he's dead. <laughs> so we booked it upstairs. Like, Beside ourselves, like the world really is this scary and chaotic. Oh my god! My, god. my life is alive. 
And it turned out to be my Uncle Ed. Oh, <laughs> that's really cool though. They had another family member in yeah. on it. That's pretty awesome. That is really. He cool. didn't do it on purpose. Like he was just, just crashing at her place. Like good timing. And um, her kids and was like, "What the heck's going on?" <laughs> that's that's pretty awesome. Because that was like one of the last times I got to see him. Random question: Anybody else have the tradition of you could open up one present on Christmas Eve? Because we always we always had that like we would always yeah, be allowed wait. to open up one present, oh. but it was always like my parents would be like my mom would be like okay you can't open up that but like you would get like a sort of minor present you could open on Christmas Eve and like that's always like been that's always like been like a tradition. No, yeah. no like you know, like yeah. the, our big thing is like me and Cat like we have such a chaotic like um, Christmas, Christmas schedule always yeah. like usually like Christmas Eve we go to dinner with my mom. Then me and Kat have our Christmas, which usually results in we'll drive around and we'll look at lights. Yeah. Uh, which is always our traditional. Like, we'll listen to, like, Trans-Siberian Orchestra and drive around and look at Christmas lights. And then we'll come home. We'll watch National Lampoon's, uh, Lampoon's Christmas Vacation without fail pretty much every year. And then we'll open up presents. Last year, we didn't do National Lampoon's. We did uh, Muppet's yeah. Christmas, Christmas Carol, I think. Oh, yeah. So. But, uh, but, yeah, then we'll open our presents all on Christmas Eve, and then we'll do all the family shenanigans on Christmas Day. But. We we go to, um, we usually, like, now, because we used to go to my one great aunt years and years ago when we were kids, and now, mm-hmm. like, my one aunt hosts a Christmas Eve thing, like, the night before, so we, like, oh, that's awesome. oh, yeah, so we, like, usually do that. And then, like, Christmas Day is really depending on who's doing what and who's working and so on and so forth. I, I think my... One of I do remember growing up though there was I, I remember my two well, uh, two of my biggest memories growing up presents wise my favorite one I remember I must have been about like six or seven years old and my dad happened to like I kind of already knew because my sister kind of spoiled for me that Santa wasn't real already because she found the Christmas presents in the house one day so oh, and so she immediately took me up to go look at them so we're like geeking out and like oh my god look what we got and I'm like oh man I don't get to play with this for like another three weeks I'm like this sucks. Like, I didn't think it really registered to me that there wasn't Santa, but I was like, the presents are already here. Santa came early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're just not under the tree yet. Mm-hmm. And mom and dad are in on it, so. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember, though, like, there was one that wasn't there that I remember asking for. And Christmas morning comes down, and I see this gigantic box underneath the tree. And we're talking about, like, our dining room table's pretty large. I would say it was about half the size of the dining room table. And uh, when I was a kid, I was, like, you know, an 80s kid, so I watched G.I. Joe, you know, Masters of the Universe, and Transformers. Like, that was, like, the three important things. And Thundercats was kicked in there, too, obviously. Um, so I opened this box, and I don't, I'm, like, not sure what it was. And all of a sudden, I see, I have to turn it around because it was this giant, massive cardboard box. And the sticker was only on one side. It happened to be, he got me the Masters of the Universe attorney at set. Which was, if you go on eBay and find out how much that He-Man fucking toy costs... Which was the entire city. It was three castles that connected Jesus. via a monorail. This thing, if you try to buy it now, will spend cost you thousands upon thousands of dollars. I want to play with it now. I do too. <laughs> I, I wish I still had <laughs> it. I wish I like when unfortunately my parents got divorced, like I left a lot of my stuff there, and I'm like, I want all this crap back because if I could sell it on eBay, I'd have so much money. <laughs> I would not have debt anymore. It'd be amazing. So, like, but I remember seeing that and opening up. I'm, like, geeking out. Like, this thing, honestly, when you had it put together, was the size of the length of this table. Oh my it gosh. was insane. Awesome. That's nuts. 
Do you remember stock car sets? Uh-huh, the little, like, RC cars that, like, went up walls and crap like that. There was one year I got the one that was the Jets that went up the wall. Yep. Oh, my God, it was amazing. <laughs> Do you remember the uh, G.I. Joe aircraft carrier? Yeah. My yes. brother got that one year for oh my Christmas. Gosh. This It filled up his entire room. Like, he had the entire oh aircraft, God. and it, like, had, like, the, the planes and just everything on it. The crazy thing is I do remember that Christmas there very well because there was two other gifts that also I think I geeked out even more so than the attorney has said. That was just because that drove me nuts because that was about the height of me when it was all put together at that time, which was crazy. <laughs> but I also remember Transformers. I got the Metroplex figure, which was also the Autobot City. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And um, the other one was the Ghostbusters Firehouse. So like, I just yes. like made out like a bandit that year. That was awesome. But like, the saddest Christmas was a couple of years later. I got a Sega Genesis, and I opened it up, and it was broken. <gasps> I was geeking out because I like my dad got me Sonic the Hedgehog too because it just came out, and okay. the Jurassic Park video game. I went to plug it in. Oh god, I love that game didn't so work. much. So a video game system that didn't work on Christmas Day. Did you ever play Rage? Rage. Primal Rage. Oh, Primal Rage. Oh, most definitely. I played that in the arcades. <laughs> That was just, that was my favorite. If you hear sounds like, it's okay, we're just uh, moving chairs for a second, so. Um, so you mentioned, you mentioned Christmas gifts, and, and I think that's a, I mean, it's a great kind of side topic, like, uh, well, because, I mean, Christmas gifts are the biggest thing that kids look forward to. For once. kids, always. I mean, yours was that He-Man mm-hmm. attorney said, I got the Kinects roller coaster one year. Oh, uh, dude, I remember, I always wanted Kinects, I never got them. That was back when Connects were good and they were simple. <laughs> now they've got all these weird different pieces. But the Connects roller coaster said eight feet long, three feet tall. I got that in the big ball machine one year, and the big ball machine was like five feet. What's tall. the big ball what is machine? The big ball machine? It was like one of these, almost like a not like a Rube Goldberg machine, but uh, you ever seen those machines where the ball kind of goes up? And then when it gets to the top, oh, it, crap, down, down, it spins a bunch of wheels, it goes oh, around the loop, yeah, yeah, it yeah, goes yeah. down spirals, things like that. Yeah. That's what the Connect Big Ball Machine was. The ACDC song stuck in my head now. It's all your fault. I have big balls <laughs> one year. <laughs> Just one? <laughs> I said balls. I said balls. You said one year. I'm not, I'm, I'm not like Lance Armstrong here. I'm okay. I got both my balls. <laughs> but are they still big? They are... What no, they they're not that big. Since um, while we're um, waiting for Adrian to rejoin us real quick, so what was everybody else's favorite Christmas gift? Like, is, how about I you, Cat? Really remember that much? There's nothing I'm not that a stuck big, out. Like, well, I know, like person. Um, I liked like my favorite things was like me and my brother swap. Like, cause we would do the little like that was my folks got tired of me waking up at four a.m. to wake them up, and <laughs> I would like set my alarm really early, and then me and my brother would get up, and so they got tired of that, and they like started putting like okay, like just wait till like five or five thirty or like something like that, and then um so me and my brother would still be up though, so we would swap our gifts, and I liked that, but you know me, I like really like creative sentimental, sentimental stuff, so for me like you know. I get more attached to, like, those type of things. I would get super excited if, like, someone made me something. I'm like, oh, my God, I love it forever. Like. <laughs> did you have one, Andrew? Um, kind of. I mean, I did have the stock car thing. And there was also an obsession with remote control cars for a while. And those were always really awesome when I got them. But talking about giant things that filled up rooms, does anybody remember Domino Rally? 
Oh yeah. my god, yes! Yeah, domino yeah. Rally was amazing. That was also like another Rube Goldberg thing. It yeah. was like it was a normal set of dominoes, but then they had weird track things yes. that had dominoes connected to them. Yeah, so, so... Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So Domino Rally was a lot of fun, and it was kind of amazing. What's... Because the thing with it was you had to connect the dominoes to the tracks, and then you had to set all the tracks up, and it took forever. And much like dominoes, it's a super cool thing, except you put it all together so you can watch them all fall. For like 20 seconds. But it well, was the best 20 seconds of your entire life. <laughs> but it took hours. Okay, it's, it's kind of like the equivalent of playing the game Mousetrap from when you were a kid. But you're not playing the game, you just want to see it all go off. Yeah. Yeah. That yep. was the best part about that game. People actually yep. played that game? Yep. No, no, no never. No, 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 no. I think so. I, we found yeah. the pieces of that game. Now. I never remember <laughs> ever playing it, but we always we found would find the pieces. And I'm like, I think I was too young to remember us ever playing it, but I'm assuming that it must have been very cool <laughs> when it did Pretty happen. Pretty Princess was another one of those <gasps> yes! Never played the game, I just wanted the fucking... Crown. Oh my god. Oh, you know, you can curse Pretty as much Pretty as you Pretty want Princess on was the best. <laughs> Me and my brother played it, and we used to fight <laughs> over, like, he liked the blue one, and I liked, well, we I, just used to fight over it. I everything. never played So it we was like. You had to, like, get all of the pieces to become the princess. Yeah, no, it was the best. So, like, you had I've a little, um, you had, like, a, it was a like little a jewelry, jewelry box, box with a mirror on the front, and it had little jammies around it. And then it had a thing, and inside the jewelry box was all the things you would collect. So you needed all of the pieces <laughs> to become the pretty, pretty princess. So you needed, like, the ring and the necklace and... Earrings. Like, yeah, the earrings. They'd clip oh, on I earrings. I do remember this. And then the little... Oh, my God. Was there a tiara? Because awesome. there has yes, to be a there tiara. there was a tiara, and that was the crowning. That's the all I cared about. I would want the tiara. <laughs> I wouldn't even participate. Um, actually, the funny thing is, too, and I really want to convince Kenny to do this. Yeah. Um, we came up with, uh, this past summer, we said we need to redo this game because, like, old nostalgia is such a big thing again. So, me and one of the writers for the website, uh, Wing Ding Dingo, which is our friend Tommy, uh, we came up with the idea if you remarketed Pretty Pretty Princess and called it Trendy Trendy Hipster. And you had to get all the things to become the ultimate hipster. So, it'd be like a Pat's Blue Ribbon pin. Then it would be, like, a bow tie, hipster glasses, like... Like, just have to just keep building that up. That'd be amazing. And then you get a CD case with a band that says, we've never heard of this band before, but I like it before I liked it before you did. <laughs> Stuff like that. Like, Can all this. have little Walkmans? I think so. Like, cassette players. Oh, and the oh other, God, oh, and yes. the other thing was a clip-on nose, like, uh, to the nose, like, handlebar mustache. That was the other thing. So, the we were saying one day we'll kickstart this. You have the Christmas version where you have, like, you know, the jing- the um, the Christmas balls in your beard. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, ugly, the ugly Christmas sweater. You know. Yeah. What, 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 what would constitute as the hipster crown? I think the glasses. I think the trendy glasses that would have to sense. be the hipster crown. Yeah. Either that or, or you would, yeah, that or, um, I'm trying to think what else you could do for that. Hmm. Flannel shirt. Yeah, you would do a flannel shirt instead of a crown, I think. I think yeah. that would work. Yeah. Oh Either that or skinny jeans. It just comes with a pair of skinny jeans. jeans. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, to be, to be able to be that one size fits all for all players, you just do jeggings. That would work, too. Oh, I kind of feel like I kind of feel like there should be an abacus involved. <laughs> I feel like there should be a unicycle. Oh, that would be so precious. That's just ridiculous. <laughs> How are you going to fit a unicycle in a box? A tiny one. You get a little tiny one. It's going to need to be at least three times this size. (laughs) (laughs) Is this this a unicycle for ants? (laughs) So, Bill, because you discussed knocking down Christmas trees with power wheels, that brings us to one of the other things we wanted to hit really quick, too, this evening was 
we're all geeks and nerds at this table. It's true. What would be your ultimate geek um, Christmas tree look like? So if you could have your geek tree. Adrian? Um, I believe this was, uh, I think this was the uh, question that I posed. So I, I did my homework beforehand and uh, know exactly what I would do. Um, it would have to be a silver tree with a black garland. Um, it would obviously be fake. I have a real tree right now because environmentally friendly. <laughs> but I'd have, to, I'd have to fork out the cash and, you know, get a, sil- a silver tree and I'd have black garland on it. It would have Doctor Who TARDIS and Dalek lights. Aww, that would be pretty cool. And the ornaments would be from Avengers and Frozen with Elsa and Loki taking the center stage. Very nice. <laughs> And the tree topper would, of course, of course. It's not even a question. It's not even a question. It would have to be Sephiroth because, you know, the one wing to roll them off. That's adorable. Um, I'm going to just jump in next because I already know, already know exactly so what nice. my... <laughs> nice. My, my tree would be a black tree. It would be like that black plastic, like fake tree. Um, covered in white lights. Okay. Uh, but they're not like super tight lights. They're a little bit more sparse. And... All of the ornaments would be X-Wings and TIE Fighters, and the tree topper would be the Death Star. That's awesome. Oh, that's cute. That is the best tree I could think of, completely. Anybody else have a and, tree? Do you have a um, tree? I can try and have a tree. Do it. Homework. Have a tree. Well, honestly, to think about to think about my my geek Christmas tree, I, the only thing I can go to is that it would be well, I'd be a geek about Christmas with said tree, and it would just have all of the... Well, it'd be a Disney tree, probably. Oh, that'd be so precious. I would just hit up all of the all of the old school characters, Goofy, Mickey, Minnie, Donald, maybe some Looney Tunes. Aww. It'd be a cartoon tree. They're not a good Batman. Yeah. yeah. Just across the board. As far as the star goes, well, it'd have to be a star. It's just how it is. Are you like a star person? Like, because some people are star people. I'm an angel person. I have an angel on my tree. Some people oh, do yeah, ribbons, stars. What are the other toppers? There's Santa Claus toppers. Yeah, there are. Okay. Yeah, I've seen I snowman ones, like snowflakes, stuff like that. Ah, I've seen stars. Yeah. Stars, angels, and ribbons are the three. Because ribbons are usually the more secular ones. We have a ribbon at work. Yeah. If you were doing a, a cartoon one, I would. I, my thoughts would immediately go to Michigan, uh, Mich- uh, like Michigan J. Frog holding onto the tree topper with his top hat reaching out. <gasps> Oh, that's that'd be awesome. amazing. He could be hanging from the star. Yeah, he'd be hanging from the top. That's just like, awesome. He could be on one side and Tinkerbell could be on the other. That would be yeah. pretty cool. I should do this now. I know, right? Yeah. Anybody? Anybody else? I got, got one. one. Oh, no geek trick. Lynch got one. Lynch. Got one. Uh, Bell Dandy as a topper. Oh, ah, that'd be from, from Oh My God, oh my God. Yes. I like yeah. that. That would be pretty that'd cool. That'd be really cute. So full anime character. Yeah, anime. Yeah, yeah anime. I was thinking that'd be that. Awesome. Anime. Yeah. That'd be a really anime. cool tree. You could have a battle of Attack on Titan on your tree. Oh, <laughs> that'd be badass. The, actually, there you go. The tree is just one of the titans covered in garland. And it's just oh. anime, It's little shonen characters climbing him and just hacking into him. <laughs> That would be a fantastic tree. I should make that. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just have an ant in my house and like that counts? That would be a really cool one too. Like an ant from the Christmas tree and just like have like Middle Earth stuff all on it and around it. And you like the Groot tree? I, I saw the ant. Just just the ant. Just don't ask him to tell you a story. <laughs> live to the end. I Christmas will take a long. <laughs> We have decided. <laughs> exactly what I'd be hoping for. 
Like, isn't, <laughs> isn't it like 12 days of Christmas or something? Yeah. It would be 12 days for him to say a sentence. Yeah. <laughs> it'd, be the, it'd be the 12 years of Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Oh, Keep him around. So, so my geek tree is, is, is difficult because there's so much that I love that um, I'd want to put on the tree. And... Uh, but really, it would start. It would, it would probably start and end with World of Warcraft, and okay, I can it would see that. Um, yeah. it would be all you know, all characters from World of Warcraft. I actually have some. I actually have Warcraft ornaments. Um, That's there was awesome. a there was a guy who made these awesome or Warcraft or ornaments uh, a couple of years ago. He you know he handcrafted them and poured molds and actually used real you know like Swarovski crystals and they were Holy fancy. Crap. He was. Overwhelmed with orders, like he I got so it. much when he released them. Yeah. Um, I have no idea what the tree topper would be, because there's so much there that I would want to top the tree, like a horde, a horde symbol right at the top. Uh, the horde symbol is just—it's too generic to just go I on the tree that. topper. Why don't you give us the top three? Yeah, tree toppers? yeah, yeah. Give us something. Oh, uh, Fro- Frostmourne, want number one, like uh, you know, is one of the top three. The tree Corgi. Uh, no, I couldn't. I couldn't do the molten corgi. That's just cute. That would be a, that would be an ornament. That would be an ornament. Um, maybe uh, maybe sulfuron, the sulfuron hammer. Um, What's which is uh, Ragnaros' big fucking huge big fucking molten hammer that he uses to attack people. Um, now I'm thinking of a meme tree because you mentioned corgi, so I'm thinking dog and like all the other like random memes and stuff like that. That, that could work too. I feel like uh, that would be pretty awesome. A, a wild I cat would be the more... topper or yes. something like this. A wild lynch has appeared and you think he has something to add I have to a this. thought on your, your World of Warcraft tree topper. You have um, Frostmourne and Gorhal crossed as your tree topper. Ooh. You, just, you do the X out of the two of them. <laughs> I can also see the portal too with the two statues at the top, like have a little animated portal. That could work. That could or work for too. the base, like portal from not from portal. Oh, oh actually, there's a, there's a oh, giant, you know, oh, actually, the dark would, portal from. I actually, can't a good point. That would be an amazing base. The the statue with the, the portal in the center is the base of your tree. That would be pretty badass. There is a portal tree from Portal. Oh, dude, the portal yeah, trees are amazing. Really awesome. Those I would be really pretty cool. pretty excited to make a um like aperture themed tree. Have you have, have you, you seen have you guys the seen the portal? I did. Yes, that. I have I seen them. Yeah. It's um, really people cool. like because uh, I Shannon's not seen one. It's like the trees are like that or the fake trees that are like that break in half. What they did was they have a blue LED string light. Like, that's the circle of rope lights. And they put that on the floor with the tree upside down and the bottom half pointing down. And they attach to their ceiling an orange portal on the opposite side of the room with the top half of the tree hanging from the ceiling. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm Googling I would right kill now. to do that. But also, yeah, we have plaster but walls. But I'd also be really angry every time I saw it. And cats. <laughs> yeah, cats would destroy that in yeah. seconds. There's the portal tree. How about you, cat? Um, I, I was having a hard time with that because it's like my obsessions jump so frequently that it's tough to like think of what I would do. But I guess I would probably do like a childhood movies one. So I would do like, um, Fern Gully and The Last <laughs> Unicorn. <laughs> really, it's not shocking. <laughs> what would you have as your tree topper? The Last Fucking Unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I would also really want to do an Legend of Zelda one, too. <gasps> yeah. That would be so, so great. Oh, my God. The base would be, like, 
the stone with the master sword in it, and then you'd have a Navi as your treetop. Dude, that'd be so awesome. Oh, Navi as your treetop. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. It looks so pretty. It would be beautiful. What would would the tree, I guess the tree would be like green. You'd have like Triforce um, ornaments. uh, Triforce ornaments, like uh, Deku nuts, um, Majora's, all the different masks from Majora's masks. You could That'd make really the Triforce cool. the tree topper too, though. Yeah, you yeah, could make the could. Triforce the tree topper. Navi but Navi would, it would be well. Navi would be pretty because it'd be like white and yeah. have the wings like an angel. Yeah, it'd be kind story. of the best of both yeah. worlds. Yeah, okay. you know. And every time you walk past a tree, it was like, "Hey, listen." You know what would be a tree that's a tree that's even more annoying than that. You need you need a you need a Nick Cage tree. Oh, that's the worst tree ever, ever. I'd burn it. I'd oh, man. Cry. Right? I'd burn it to the ground. You know, like, you know what we really have to do to, we, we, to really resolve this between us? We need to have a face-off. Uh, I think we should nick this in the bud. Uh, <laughs> It'll have to be a cage fight. <laughs> and with that, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back in just a few. <laughs> So, um, since the last time we were here, there has been one really major thing in Geekdom that's kind of hit, and that would be we've got the first trailer for Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. So, did everybody here see that trailer? Yes. 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 Okay. Yes. Everybody's thoughts so far on that trailer? I know they didn't show us a ton, but... Does everybody feel like that it actually it feels like Star Wars again? Yes. Right, just yes. from that couple seconds. Aesthetically, for sure. Mood as well. Mood. I'd say the tone. Yeah, okay. definitely. To follow that up, everybody here has seen episodes one, two, and three. Yes? Mm-hmm. Yes. Does everybody here remember clearly when episode one's trailer hit? No. Yes. I thought the episode one's trailer was fantastic. Okay. Yes. Are you still scared about episode seven? Of course. <laughs> no. No? No. I was too young. <laughs> that, was episode, episode one? one? Episode one. Uh, 1999. Oh. I just wasn't paying attention. Then. You weren't that young. Well, you really but weren't into Star Wars too much until you played... I didn't watch it until high school. In 99, yeah. I was not even in eighth grade yet. So I was still young. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I was 19. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, I, I'm kind of curious. So when everybody saw the, the trailer for episode seven, though, um, what was the moment that jumped out the most for you? That like, holy fucking shit, this is Star Wars again. This is like giving me hope for the mistakes is of the last generation. Giving you a new hope. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought the really the the one the part of the trailer that was really uh, a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> Um, oh dear God! Come on. Sorry, sorry. I have a condition. Um, no, what really made me happy and really made me feel like it was Star Wars again was the Sith, or at least what we think to be a Sith, with the fucking broadsword lightsaber. Ah, we don't have to call him the random Sith anymore. We have a name. Oh, there's actually a name. For we that guy. got a name for some of the characters. Well, every character that we saw in the trailer today, and it was done really. Kind of awesomely, Disney and Lucasfilm today released replicas of the Tops 1977 trading cards for the original New Hope, 
and they did them with the Force Awakens today, and they took the normal screen caps with the silly captions of what each ones are, yeah. and we found out who all the characters are. We got okay, basic okay. names for a couple people, like everybody knows the soccer ball droid that everybody was kind of joking about, mm-hmm. which apparently was also the very first Star Wars Episode Seven tattoo that was done on anybody. Somebody got the ball droid. That's <laughs> <laughs> but we now know the ball droid's name is BB Dash Eight. So instead of R two D two and stuff like that. What so. if it's like the new um, Jar Jar though? You know, <laughs> it's like, you know my doing brain it, doing what, it before is really. When I saw the photos of the tattoo on Comic Book Movie, <laughs> my brain immediately went to um, Ernest Klein's Fan movie Boys? Fanboys. Yes. Uh, and it was the Seth Rogen with the tattoo of Jar Jar with his arms crossed. This it's kind of like this gotta be, gonna be this, this guy's gonna be the shit. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, you just feel bad for that person that did that because you know somebody out there did. Uh-huh. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, so we, we know that's BB-8, but we do know that Sith's character's name is now Kilo Ren. So K-Y-L-O space Ren. So uh, we know that. But, like, it's weird. Like, I remember when episode one came out and they gave, like, we saw the figures and we saw the characters' names and I'm like, Qui-Gon Jinn and crap like that. And I'm like, I'm never going to remember these people. Like, these are never going to be names that are going to be in my nerd lexicon. And I'm going through the names here and I'm having the same feeling and I'm like, please, God, don't let this be episode one again. So we know this, like, to go through the trailer really fast. Um, we know the ball droid is BB-8. Uh, BB um... Oscar Isaacs, who was, uh, what was the guy that we saw piloting the X-Wing across the water. Um, the character's name is Poe Dameron. The Sith's name is Kilo Ren. Uh, Daisy Ridley, who was the, supposedly, potentially the daughter of Han and Leia. Mm-hmm. We know her name is Ray. And she was the one driving the little speedster. And the cool thing is, I don't know if anybody picked it up when they watched the trailer. She had a pair of goggles on her head. And if you look at, <laughs> the goggles actually they probably do nothing because uh, if you take a good look at them, you realize she chopped them out of a helmet from a stormtrooper. That's a stormtrooper's wow. eyes, Ooh. like an old helmet. So, oh, that's right. Really um, and then we know John Boyega's name too. His name is Finn, who is the stormtrooper that was we saw in the beginning of the trailer. So it's pretty cool. Um, and um, so that's the names we got so far for the cast. So it's kind of cool that we're starting to get this. And the fact they did it this retro style was mm-hmm. a really cool kind of like fun geeky way. Um, but um, I know, like, there was a lot of hate, though. Like, you brought up um, the lightsaber, uh, the broadsword lightsaber. There was a lot of fan hate about that. Does anybody here have an issue with the fact that, no, like, we awesome. got weird new sabers? So, here's my thing on the saber. I can understand why Star Wars fanboys get upset about it because they don't like anything new and aesthetically different at all. <laughs> Personally, I think it looks pretty awesome. My only issue with it, functionality-wise, is with how it looks. If somebody were to bring one lightsaber down to the hilt, it would chop the lightsaber in half, which then makes those two side things look useless. But that may not be the point. That's true. The point could be, you know, if you are saber-locked with another Jedi, you just kind of angle up and punch them with the hilt that's coming out. I gotta say this too. What if you could also redirect the length of the blades down one of those pieces? Which would be amazing. Then all of a sudden you've got a force tonfa. Uh, that's just kind of bad. You can redirect the length, you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> if everybody can do this, guys would never have issues. Let's be honest. <laughs> I see your Schwartz's as big as mine. I came home the other day. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, everybody's been bitching and moaning about that. And the other thing everybody's been bitching and moaning about for nerd culture, which pisses me the fuck off, is 
the fact that there was a black stormtrooper. Oh my god, there are black people. I know, sure. Please so, save us. But, no, there was a lot of hate about that. Yes. There was an obscene amount of hate about that. Yeah, but let's be honest, it's actually kind of an odd paradigm, because I don't know if anybody's seen Chasing Amy, but the whole rant about Darth Vader being the biggest, baddest, black, blackest motherfucker on this side of the galaxy. And he takes off his helmet and it's a crusty white man. And now we've got a stormtrooper who is in white armor and underneath he's black. That's actually pretty cool. That's actually kind of that's cool actually switch. pretty. That, that's a nice that. juxtaposition. I like yeah. that. But like everybody's little hate that's coming out of it is this kind of like, oh, the stormtroopers are clones, and blah blah blah. They're all supposed to look like the same Australian dude. I'm like, they're oh. all 85 years old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. One thing I love was people were freaking out about it, and they were like, oh, the people who were being really, they're like, oh, it's a black guy, and it's kind of like, well. He wasn't, I mean, the original clone wasn't white to begin with. I mean, like, what, like, yeah. What, yeah. where is your argument? You know? Well, he was a was, Mandalorian. It, yeah, it was just kind of like, it's almost like when, like, when they, people were freaking out about, like, you know, Hunger Games. They were oh like, my oh my god, god. I, I can't believe, Ru, Ru, all the good characters are black. Ruth Black, I'm like, she wrote in the book that she, that she had dark skin, that the people from that it's area had shocking. dark skin. It's not a shock. Did you not read the book? Uh-huh. Obviously not. Mm-hmm. I know, right? I just think it's really cool because apparently that is whatever that leads through the new trilogy. That's very cool. That's really cool to see that people like Lucasfilm and Disney are, like, taking note of those things and like people like Abrams is like this is my lead this is going to be one of my main characters I'm focusing on and his scene in the trailer is one of the reasons why I'm very excited for the movie it raises so many questions it's uh, it's obviously it's a stormtrooper and you're like we're going to be focusing on a stormtrooper why why are we doing that and on top of that him the scene is him everybody's seen it it's him coming off of the ship and looking completely distressed confused and unaware of what's going on and ready to shoot something mm-hmm. which just gives me an old school Star Wars feel of he had to have been coming from something and he mm-hmm. landed on this strange planet and he's like what the hell is going on that was fun like if you look at that that trailer too even just for a few moments say if you watch it once or twice um it really invokes the idea of what the old trilogy was. Like, it's... Um, even the music they used was classic Star Wars music, classic John Williams stuff. But, like, you saw X-Wings, you saw TIE Fighters, you saw the new version of the Millennium Falcon, which was cool. The repaired Raider dish is now a that big, huge really square. Cool. It's <laughs> not the circular dish, but, like, the fact that they paid attention to, like, that the radar dish got knocked off for, like, a half second on screen. All those little things, and they really paid attention to them. Um, but even just... It looks like the old Star Wars world. It doesn't look like the new trilogy. It is that defunct, falling apart universe. Like Daisy Ridley's little speeder looked like basically a giant square going through the the Tatooine sands and stuff. With the, if we assume that's Tatooine, but it's really kind of amazing. And then like even the design of uh, the X wings, which was exciting to see, was it was the designs of Ralph McQuarrie. It was the original artist that designed everything that we know and love in Star Wars. It was the original art where the like. The engines were in the center of the wings instead of on the back end, the four that we know so well. Um, so they, they, they're evolving it by taking, moving the future forward by giving us old art. So it's kind of cool that it really feels like what they it should have, feel. Like, the art direction on it already. Yeah. I'm really digging that. And on top of that, just with what we saw as far as any conclusions we can draw about the plot of the movie, it looks like there's a very cohesive plot that is going to be engaging to the audience, which the first three movies, they didn't lack it was there, but when we watched the 
cut down version of the original trilogy in the one two and a half hour movie as opposed oh, yeah. to the um, six hour movies. The dark, oh, yeah. uh, it was like Rise of the Dark Side or The Dark Side Awakens, I think, is what we watched. It was uh, yeah, it was uh, it was two and a half hours of episodes one, two, and three cut into one movie. Hmm. Um, really awesome. If any, you know, I'm sure if any friends want to yeah, watch it's it, actually enjoyable. Yes. It's not a if, yeah, if you're a Star Wars fan, it's really cool. They like, and if you can find this online, I know this week is going to be a hard, hard week to find torrents specifically torrents. that are being shared with the loss of Nail Pirate Bay went down. Um, ECTV.it went down. Um, we're losing a lot of the sites. Pirate Bay went down. Yeah, Pirate Bay is gone. Oh my god. Um, Pirate Bay went down on Wednesday. Forever? Forever. What? It was raided by the Swedish police force. Oh. What? They yeah, are the gone. They what? are not coming back. Um, I thought they were pretty much like international. Yeah, they are, they they were, are done. They are so they, not wow. coming back, I don't think, from the sound of it. They um, were also very, very big and doing things that have, they've been trying to crack down like, on. Really? Yeah. I, I have an issue, seriously, with pirating a lot of stuff. Yeah. But like a fan thing that somebody put up on Torrent and they said, hey, I created this specifically. Yeah. And yes, I understand it's with licensed stuff, but this was something somebody spent a lot of time with and edited their yeah. own version of something. And it was a cool way to share it out. But it, what they did was they took episodes one, two, and three. They removed ninety nine point nine percent of episode one, and all we got was <laughs> all we got was the, the mall fight between Qui Gon and Obi Wan. And at the very end of that, it was the death of um, Darth Maul and Qui Gon, and it was the you have to train the boy. And then it said seventeen years later, and then it jumped us right into episode two. And all the stupid bad dialogue lines and Jar Jar and stuff like that are all gone. <laughs> yeah, not, yeah, as beautiful, not as beautiful as you. Like, oh but like God. even yeah, even the bad dialogue lines between Lord. characters, they cut down to make sure it moved quick and smoothly. And they and which, they went through all they this stuff. It's not like they basically edited it. It just sounds like yeah, they, 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 they didn't edit. They they did an amazing amazing mm. fan edit. And what they did was was the interesting. Way should they yeah, yeah, they seriously. focused on actually. They got rid of a lot of the weird di- uh, diplomatic, uh, di- diplomatic um, things that were happening. Like, there was no trade blocking bullshit discussions. There wasn't, like, who created the clones. None of that stuff was there. It was, you had part of the Gene Ocean fight, like, and a small fraction of it, mind you. Um, and it focused on Padme and Anakin and the love story between them and the relationship with Anakin and Obi-Wan. And that was it. Everything else that had nothing to do with that was completely cut out of the movie. And it took you through that, and then it hits a fine line again, and then it jumps a couple of years later after the Clone Wars, and you don't see Grievous or any of these people. It just speeds right through, and they get to all the important parts, and it mean it feels like it makes sense. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you wanted to experience Star Wars one through three in a fun way, that's a really much cool better. way. Yeah. So uh, we'll definitely have to do a screening of that some night. That sounds really awesome. Yeah. So real quick though, everybody thoughts Star Wars Episode Seven? Are we still really hyped after the first oh, show? Super stoked! Yeah. Of course. Yes. J.J. Abrams is on the helm, mm-hmm. and I like this. Like I love um, with the Star Trek movies. I think Star Trek felt biggest, like Star Wars, so yeah, we better that's, to remake that's Star Wars. One of the Wars. biggest complaints from the like hardcore Star Wars, Star Trek fans with the Star Trek movies is that they felt too much like Star Wars. So it seems like he's in good position to make a Star Wars movie. Brief <laughs> Shannon, you guys um, well, all bored? As far as the Disney yes. Disney Christmas Tree Man and Disney everything Disney touches turns to gold, and I don't care what that's anybody says. And God, yeah, it's a true story. That's very true. You're also not going to have a company that's going to waste, well, not even waste, but like drop, what, what was it, four... 
Four bill or two billion? Four point two billion. Four point two billion dollars on a sing- primarily for a single franchise. Granted, with it comes Indiana Jones and everything else that LucasArts has ever done in Lucasfilm, but that was for Star Wars, and they're not going to blow that kind of money to put out a bad movie. They're not going to yeah. allow that to happen. No, not when I'm sure there is a plan for a giant Death Star roller coaster in the works. <laughs> They also announced the Star Wars plans for Disneyland and Disney World yesterday. So if you're interested in looking that up, go to screenscape.com. They have a lot of the details. Apparently that's going to be opening 2020, I think. Um, So that'll be pretty cool. And it's going to be a full land that's Star Wars based at both parks. So um, other real quick two trailers that came out because we're in a big sci-fi nostalgic period. Jurassic World. Um... Mm -hmm. Yeah, Chris obviously, Pratt's in that, right? that's Chris Pratt ah, uh, and nice. Bryce Dallas Howard, who was uh, she played. Um, that sounds familiar. Um, she was the Mary Jane, I believe, that we saw in not Mary Jane. Um, she played Gwen Stacy in Amazing. Well, no, not Amazing Spider-Man, but uh, Spider-Man Three, I believe. The really shitty Sam Raimi Spider-Man. Oh. So, oh. <laughs> um, but she's been in a couple other big things though too. But. Um, they, yeah, that's... Uh, the emo dance party. Oh, God, yeah, I know. But if you saw the Jurassic World trailer, um, it looked like it evoked old-school Crichton. It, it looks good. It was the I'm original... I'm really excited about it. Yeah, <laughs> it was the John Hammond design of what he wanted Jurassic Park to be. And that's, that's like, awesome. it opens up and it's like, this is Jurassic Park, the gates are open, go. And shit goes to fuck. And it's got Chris Pratt and... I know, that'd be Who wouldn't want to see yeah. Star-Lord yeah. fighting dinosaurs? <laughs> oh, that's amazing! That's a true story. <laughs> But actually, here's a question, though. Like, are we ready to see Chris Pratt serious? This will be the first time. Well, it'll be the first time in a leading role. Yeah. He was actually a serious character in Zero Dark Thirty. He was one of the military characters okay. who went on the Osama bin Laden raid. Okay, I didn't see that. Oh, so. I didn't see that either. I didn't know, I didn't know that. Um, I didn't realize it was him because he was also fat and not nearly as hot. <laughs> So but, he's kind of chubby in Parks and Recreation. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. When, where he lost all the weight was for Star-Lord. He, he lost it for Star-Lord. Yeah. And I was introduced to him as Star-Lord. So I oh, saw him with like an oh. extra 30, 40 I, pounds and was like, you're chubby. I never here. watched Parks and Recreation, <laughs> but I did see pictures of him and I like saw what he, he looked like. Good in Parks and Recreation. I mean, still. he's cute. Like, he's still yeah. cute. I mean, but he's definitely hot in, um, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, I mean... Not thinking of every crackers, I'm just saying. <laughs> I just want to know if he's going to sing the dinosaurs. <laughs> Ooh, <child. laughs> he does a lot of singing in Parks and Rec too. Does he? he I have, like, I have uh, to watch he's that. A, he's the he's my favorite list. band, Mouse Rat. Now, Mouse Rat, and he's and he's a kid singer too. Like for um, like Johnny Karate. Johnny Karate. That's on my yeah. list to watch. Um, yeah. It brings me great joy. But no, I will say Jurassic Park. It looks interesting. Um, the only n- known character that's coming back from the original series is uh, B.D. Wong, who is a. Uh, um, the Asian doctor we saw in the first one that was showing them the eggs that were about to hatch. Oh, yeah. He's coming back. He's the only engine, ex-engine employee that apparently is there. I'm really disappointed there's going to be no Jeff Goldblum. He's oh, not going to be. I was thinking in my head. I couldn't remember his name. Yeah. He probably didn't want to I just remember that face. No, but because I, <laughs> because I brought him up and... There and his stupid laugh. Has anybody here listened to the dubstep song that was yes. auto-tuned to his stupid laugh in no, the helicopter? No, it's it, it made my day. That's it really phenomenal. Did. It's just him going, so you two, you two, you dig up dinosaurs? Ha-ha! Ha-ha! You dig up dinosaurs? ha <laughs> for like three and a half minutes, it's gold. That's amazing. Oh my God, that's awesome. <laughs> that, um, 
I made it through that. That's pretty amazing. And it's weird too, because no Sam Neill though either. We we don't have any major Aww. links. It's like it's we're just diving back into Jurassic Park. But but after the Lost World and Jurassic Park three, they really needed to do that for the franchise. Yeah, and it makes Top sense story wise because like Sam Neill and Jeff Goldblum and uh, I can't remember the woman's name who was the uh, paleobotanist. I'm assuming yeah, it was like Lauren, 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 Lauren Dern Dern was the Lauren actress. Dern, yeah, yeah, that's the yeah, it's got to be in the oh, future, and and God, they have all name? like basically, this... especially after Jurassic Park one, I they mean, were like, no, no more, you know, none of this. Didn't do my research here yet. Um, is this supposed to be like this happened, and then they're trying again, like far yeah, in the future? it's it's oh. well, no, it's supposed to be our time. It's basically everything that's happened. I think they're continuing this. They're continuing the story. So. They don't. So. <laughs> <laughs> they learn the first time. Right? <laughs> That's chaos. All I want is the line to come back. I was like, first there's oohs and ahs, then there's running and screaming, and that's all I want. And I was like, yeah, that or much. A hybrid dinosaur. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we know what the hybrid dinosaur is, too. It's a mix between a T Rex and a Velociraptor. Oh, God. That's Why would you do that? So it's got Stupid. the size of a T Rex, but it's got the arm length as a Velociraptor. Great. Why would you do that? So for the first time ever, if the happy and you know what, clap your hands, T Rex shirts now can actually clap. Oh, so. God. They remember. They can make beds now. <laughs> now they can make their own beds. We're all fucked. Do they, do they hunt like. A raptor? I have no idea. Oh, I guess God. we're going to find out not too far from now. So so. I really hope not. Because T-Rexes are significantly different mm-hmm. in like, what they do. I'm very curious on where it's going to go, especially because the way the trailer ends, it seems like that Chris Pratt has trained raptors. I can't quite tell. Or he's just racing through a pack of raptors. And... Well, this is Star-Lord. So, <laughs> we'll find out. I so, can believe it. That I can believe that they could be, I mean... If anybody can uh, can, can train raptors, it's Chris Pratt. And at the end of, oh, at the end of Jurassic Park 3, they did demonstrate the ability them. to communicate with raptors. Mm-hmm. So, if they built on the communication ability, he could have raptor buddies. They can have raptor tea parties. <laughs> and wear monocles and, and wear monocles and smoke pipes. Yeah. Shit's so fancy you need two monocles. <laughs> <laughs> we call them glasses. <laughs> I fancy. <laughs> so there's gonna be hipster um, velociraptors. That would be amazing. Of course. With mustaches. Yep. So the last drill real quick before we move on to the real full back end real quick is Terminator Genesis. So basically oh, yes. that that gave me definitely a hardcore nerd boner, because <laughs> I don't know why, but that looks badass. Cat, like, Cat, Cat's also can join me. She loves Terminator 1 and Terminator I do, 2. I do. I love the original uh, Sarah Connor, too. Mm, and so yeah. I really love that they chose Amelia Clark. Game of really? Thrones. It's Game of Thrones, yeah. the mother of dragons. Oh, the mother of dragons. She is such a badass, and she's playing a badass character, so I couldn't be happier. Yeah. I haven't seen I'll before. be honest, I really liked T3. I did too. My doppelganger was in it. Nick's doppelganger. Yeah. Nick Stahl. Nick Stahl. Looks Stahl. identical mm-hmm. to Rob. It's yeah. so creepy. Now, I didn't like T3 the first time I saw it. I feel like that's was a very strong reaction to it where people saw it and was like, this is terrible. And then I went back and watched it again and again and again. And it's still fun. <laughs> it's still you know fun. why? Because the ending. I love the ending. The ending of three. So so no matter what you do. I was just angry because people are so fucking stupid. 
Like, no, I wasn't, I didn't think the movie was bad. I was just angry at how dumb, because you know humanity is that fucking stupid that they would do that. It's I was so like, why true. would you do this? We're doing it oh, now. It's like, it's so it's like no, that, that's one of those movies. Dude, even Stephen Hawking came out and said, you guys have to stop functioning and fo- focusing yeah. on AI. It's not you know, a good idea. That's one of those movies that holds up a mirror to our society, and a lot of times it's kind of like, look at what the fuck we're doing, and people don't pay attention. Like, that's why it made me so angry. That's why the end of, like... T three had a lot of problems, but yeah. the what redeemed it all was for me it was the end. And I'm like, sorry, Skynet won. Yeah, and it was just yeah. we just survived. John Connor and his girlfriend were stuck in like yeah. one of the old NORAD caves, and yeah. like, holy crap! I guess we're some of the only people left, yeah. and I guess we have to. It was all start about the resistance. surviving. Yeah, it was cool. And yeah. Salvation was okay. It wasn't Salvation great, was but it was. All right. yeah. And but, it was cool because in that movie, the whole time you were like, oh, "Fucking John Connor, he's still this whiny ass little bitch." Well, Salvation, the one where the dude was actually um, a machine, and um, yes, yes. It, was, it was okay. That was yeah. the one with Christian Bale. And Christian yeah. Bale was that wasn't gives he us, John Connor or something. Yeah, like that, that gives yeah. us the classic like freak out rants too from Christian Bale, where he yes. went completely mad yeah, on set. Yeah, and he went like batshit insane. Ah, oh, batshit insane. <laughs> 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 Props to everybody for racing for the bell on that one. <laughs> just, that just came organically. I, I, I have to, you know, I'm hashtag blessed for that one. But to race through this real quick so we can get to our topic. So the idea of Terminator Genesis, which I'm so fucking pumped for, is oh my God, I know. it starts off in like 2029. It's the war with machines. It's the classic Terminator timeline. And it's John Connor sending Kyle Reese back to go protect Sarah Connor from the first T-800. For, so we're talking about... T1, hardcore, it's classic, old-school, young Arnold. And Kyle Reese gets back, and you even see shot for shot what looks like Terminator 1 of the cop car coming across, Kyle Reese breaking into the department store, stealing the trench coat. Even Nike is making the exact same kicks that they made for uh, Michael Bean in that movie. They're doing full replicas for him. Wow. Um, They're doing everything as close as they can, which is really badass. Um, And all of a sudden, where he goes to start dealing with another Terminator, which unfortunately... All of a sudden, twists start happening in the trailer, and we're seeing a liquid metal Terminator in the 80s timeline. Mm. So what looked like the T-1000. So the Robert Patrick T-1000. Um, and all of a sudden, as he's dealing with this mess, a car comes crashing through the department store window, and it's Sarah Connor. And she's like, and it's the come with me if you want to live line. But and, she gives it. And she gives it. And then all of a sudden, oh, she yeah. does the line that she does with Kyle is now a soldier. That line. And it sounds oh, just yes. like Linda Hamilton. And at that moment, I was sold. And then all we saw yeah, that's was all, I need, really. <laughs> all these motions happening, and it's like I was sent back here to save you from another Terminator that is here to kill you from Skynet. And they said we already killed him; he's dead. And they show a old T eight hundred. You see a old Arnold Schwarzenegger that has been protecting Sarah Connor since the nineteen sixties. Wow! Wow! So it like fucks with the timeline. Every wow. the timeline. So it is a very it's Star Trek esque, Star Trek reboot esque. Where it is what we know of Terminator, oh, and they're changing awesome. the entire timeline. Who's directing yes. this? Um, I, I'm actually, you know what, I'm not too sure. But I will yeah. say this, though, from that what that trailer showed, it looked awesome. It did look really And it's, uh, from what we understand, too, we're going to see four timelines. We're seeing 2029. We're seeing the 1960s, 1985-86 Terminator timeline. And then we're seeing present day. So they're going to bounce times all through it. So it's going to have Leonard Nimoy? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> We'll, yes. be, we'll be the MacGuffin that tells us exactly what's going to happen before it happens in two movies. So, <laughs> so it's a really fun, fun time to be, like, coming from, 
where we all grew up with our nerddom. Like, it's cool to see all this stuff coming back in fun. Alan Taylor. Alan Taylor. Okay. I don't know what else he does, but... No idea. No clue. So, but moving on there real quick, I just had to mention that stuff because, like, it's been some really cool, awesome shit. Um, But what was really awesome was this past weekend. Um, We celebrated as a community uh, the PlayStation 20th anniversary. And a lot of us here are all very hardcore rooted in PlayStation in one way, shape, or form, especially in the last 20 years. Um, I know, especially for myself, like I said, I grew up a uh, Atari 2600 to the NES, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, and then when I was introduced to my first CD-based console, it was my PlayStation. And I remember the day one that I owned that system, the day it launched, um, I had Ridge Racer, Battle Arena, Toshin Den, and ESPN Extreme Games 2, which sucked ass. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I also remember a little special demo disc that came with it. It was called PlayStation Picks, and it had games like quick demos and videos of like things like Crash Bandicoot and stuff like that. And so good. The first time seeing 3D games and then like the prompts of things like Tekken and crap like that. Things that we knew that were happening in the arcades that we never thought we'd ever see. And we had 3D gaming for the very first time and everything changed. So I know I have got a thousand and one PlayStation memories from PlayStation 1 through 4 already, but I am really curious on where everybody else sits because I know PlayStation means a lot to everybody in this room. Mm. So just dive in however you like. Cat. Um, PlayStation was actually my first console because we weren't really allowed to have them growing up. So we played computer games occasionally. I was more of a PC gamer when I did play stuff. And then someone, when PlayStation 2 came out, my one friend was getting rid of his PlayStation and gave it to me. And that's where I first got to play PlayStation games. It was great. What was, do you remember your first PlayStation game? I don't. It may have been Chrono. Cross, which is probably why I'm so attached to that game. It was also one of the first, the first um, real JRPG I ever finished was Final Fantasy VII, like completely. But the second one was Chrono Cross, and I finished very few games. So for me, that's like a huge. Deal. PlayStation was my first JRPG too. That was uh, when everybody was waiting for Final Fantasy VII. There was a game that snuck out right before called Wild Arms, and Wild Arms was my very first JRPG I ever played, music. and it's gorgeous. The oh, go ahead. Um, I um, yeah. I mean, I had I ended up getting a PlayStation from when I went to Westchester years and years and years ago. Um, like, cause I, I mean, I played it before, you know, but my RA ended up like selling it to me because I tutored him and like gave him like cider or beer or something like that, <laughs> and he gave me you know his PlayStation so that I could play Final Fantasy VII. That's um, on it. I had played Final Fantasy VII before because my brother had gotten it for me, but I had like the IDOS version um, on the computer, the PC. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that was... Now coming like, to PS4. Yeah. sixteen ninety or no, fifteen ninety. <laughs> six months from now, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah, we, we, they'll, they'll probably be rage quitting. They'll probably be rage quitting, but... Um, but yeah, no, that was, um, that's really, like, that's my memory of, like, the PlayStation. That's how I was basically able to, to play Final Fantasy VII when I was in college, and uh, that was... Uh, Pretty much game that was that, story that changed my what, life. <laughs> and that wasn't you said that was not your first console though, correct? Oh no, no, no! My very first console. I've been playing video games since I could hold a controller since I was three. I started with the Coleco, so I'm I'm dating so, myself right so now. So you're an Atari twenty six hundred Coleco kid. Coleco, it was and the Atari attached to the Coleco, like yep. it was like expansion pack. <laughs> so yeah, so um, uh, that was probably that was like the early eighties. I got it. That's how I started too. Because I got a Nintendo. Nintendo came out. 
I'm like 1985 and I remember getting it, but I've been playing video games for at least half my life, for about half my life, because 85, 86, so I started when I was like three or four, so... Didn't take long. (laughs) It's funny to go into stores and... Because, like, I know, like, for you, Mm -hmm. like, both, you and Kat basically both started with JRPGs, like, that's what PlayStation was really known for, like... Yeah. They they took away what was important to companies like Nintendo. Nintendo was where Square really sur- like survived. I, like even when they completely survived back on the NES, mm-hmm. Rad Racer was supposed to be one of their last games, and then they made you know Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy yeah. was supposed to be Square's final game. Yeah. <laughs> the reason it's called Final Fantasy was they were going out of business, and they said, "Fuck it, let's go." And what are we going to call it? This is our last hurrah, and it's sold. That was actually I did. It- there is a review on the blog for mm-hmm. um for the first Final Fantasy, and I go into this history because it came out, That's and I want to cool. say nineteen eighty six or eighty seven, yep. and of course now the names are all completely <laughs> ironic because it's kind of like Final Fantasy fifteen, but it's kind of like you know the Rolling Stones, you know, like farewell tour. How many farewell tours can you have? <laughs> but now we um, one more irony. But yeah, it's really funny that like PlayStation was what got so many people into JRPGs, like it. it it was an interesting entry point for so many people and so many different things. Like, how about the rest of you guys, though? Like, I was a Nintendo fanboy for the longest time. I I'm, I still am. I, I own a Wii. I still, I still am. <laughs> um, but really, the, the first console that I bought that was not a Nintendo console was the PS2. And it just it introduced me to a whole rash of new games that... I was like, Nintendo doesn't have anything like this. Like, the the rhythm games that Nintendo eventually picked up on, but, like, Parappa the Rapper. Oh, Parappa the Rapper for PlayStation like, 1? Oh, holy shit. And, and DDR. That yeah, was one of the big reasons I got I got a PS2 was because I wanted to play Dude, DDR. Dude, we so got much. you to buy a PS3 because you, uh, you me, I, and Tim were playing Hatsune Miku. I, I traded in, I traded in my Xbox 360 for Peanuts. Just so I could buy a PS3. Just to play Hotsune Miku Project Diva yep. F. Exactly. I like Peanuts. What I find amazing is that the PlayStation 2, I still have one of those, and it's... We still got a PS2 yeah. I actually had it running all so night one time, because I, I was playing a game where I had to like have it running all night. Like those things were those things were built to last. Like we, My we husband really replaces PS3, but the PS2, it has to be like 15 years old. I'll... I'll I'll beg to differ a little bit. PlayStations do die. I've gone through a few. Oh, yeah, eventually like, will. I will but... say this. If you want a system that's going to last forever, it's a Nintendo machine. Oh, hell Holy yeah. Shit. yeah you they do. do last forever. Really? I yeah. Still, yeah, I still yeah. have my 8-bit Nintendo. I've got three of them. You have three of them because yeah. it, it's, it's hit or miss whether or whether or not one will work yeah. at any point. But they time. still give it enough time and yeah. it'll work. Yes. <laughs> See, and by and large, they will only <laughs> last and run a game on average without maintenance. And none of my systems are actually maintained. <laughs> But I can get a good solid. If you want me to work on them, let me know. I just need to order a tri-wing screwdriver done and done. It's because the laser like dies. But There's with, no like, laser. With, no, the, no, no, I'm saying that, that's why no, I'm saying like with PlayStation, oh, yes. the laser dies, but with Nintendo, it's cartridge A Mr. Days. Clean Magic Eraser so. will fix all of your NES games. Oh. That's good to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the main issue, though, is that the system just stops working after like an hour of play. Oh. Continuous play. Well, well maybe like an hour and a half. Oh, Alright, now, so, like, we, we hit this side of the table. So, Shannon and Reap, how about you guys? Like, what was your PlayStation experience? Um, my PlayStation experience was, so, to give you the back history on the gaming, because that seems to be a thing at the moment. <laughs> um, I started playing video games on Pong. 
Oh. Um, when I was like four at my grandmother's house. No, you actually had a have. You, you still have. You have machine. ones that like connect through via screws to TV antennas, pong machines. Yeah, and it's the one that came out before the um. There were two separate knobs. So it's it was no- It's a whole console. It's my, a console. If my brain knows remembers this right, this was the Sears. Uh, yes. Pong yes, it was the Sears Pong system. I have a really bad knowledge of all this shit. Like, anything, like, when people tell me important things, like, what's happening in politics, I'm like, I know a punk system came out in 1977. (laughs) But if you ask me what's happening in politics, I'm completely fucked. But, um, so, that's what I started on. And then Atari and Nintendo and Genesis and Super Nintendo. But then the PlayStation came out. And this was, like, the age when my parents, my my father was, like, no more buying you video games unless it was Christmas and we got straight A's. Like, no more video <laughs> games. If you want it, you can save your money, you can get a job, and you can buy it. And the PlayStation 1 is the first game system I had to save up money for to buy. And I remember going to the store and buying it. It was... One, way more expensive because nobody taught me about sales tax and how that really worked. (laughs) I was like, great, I can go in and get like this and five games and a controller. And it was more like I could get two games and a controller (laughs) and the system. But that still wasn't bad. Did you make a mistake about the memory card like I did? Like, didn't think you actually needed one? Yep. Yeah, I made that that mistake. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a rookie error. Yeah, well, it's rookie, Wait, rookie mistake. There were no such thing as pro tips back then. <laughs> no. no, we had EGM and Game Pro. Oh That's god, and Nintendo Power. Oh my god, shut up! It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was the game that you remember first and foremost on PlayStation? First and foremost is Crash Bandicoot. Nice, changed my life, nice. and I hate that stage running away from the boulders. And those who, stages. And who'd have thought twenty years later we wouldn't be seeing from that same developer, Naughty Dog, the guys that made Uncharted wow. and Uncharted Four, which we just got to see a fifteen amazing really? minutes. That's yep. cool. I they are the creators that. of Crash Bandicoot. Mm-hmm. Oh. So how about you, Shannon? Um, <laughs> I was not. I did not exist in the glorious eighties, so I did not <laughs> have that experience. Yeah. Um. But, like, as a, basically, as, as a little kid, I mean, we had the Nintendo, we had the Sega. Uh, I had a good time with those um, when I could get my hands on them. You know, have two brothers. <laughs> uh, but, like, I think PlayStation really was, like, my foundation. That's what really got me into everything. Like, it, I got so absorbed into it. I got called... My parents actually called me BJ for years, like basement girl, because <laughs> you weren't allowed to have this console anywhere other than in the basement. <laughs> I lived down there. I think I started off. When did I start off playing? I think it was Spyro the Dragon. Ah, Spyro. I was super into that. Was but then I found Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> Spyro is pretty awesome. Spyro was awesome. Yeah. Oh, Spyro is adorable. Does anybody here, like, I know not many people may know this, does anybody remember who made Spyro? No. no. Insomniac Games. These are the guys that are responsible for Infamous. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Oh. So, these guys like, that started off with the kid, the kid yeah. characters that we all kind of, like, love, like, Disney characters. Oh, yeah. Have become, like, these, like, powerhouses in gaming. And so now Spyro is Skylanders, which is... 
Well, it's like how Disney started yeah. with like yeah. cartoons, and now Disney is like Marvel. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Marvel they and Star Wars. Yeah. So it's kind of cool to yeah. see like how they leveled up. Yeah. <laughs> and also because you mentioned Skylanders, I've got to give the Disney shout out to Disney Infinity, which is also amazing. It's Disney Infinity. It's like Skylanders for Disney. So Dis- you buy Disney like Infinity, the, yeah. you buy the figure you buy these figures of your Disney characters and you put them on the little portals and then they become the characters and levels you can play in. Oh nice. And it also gives you an open world that you can like build castles and like your own levels That's in cool. in like the Disney um, Magic. Yeah, they're on Disney Infinity 2.0, which introduced the Marvel Universe. And oh. next year we know um we're Why getting Why do I not have Dis- <laughs> Disney Infinity 3.0 next year is introducing Star Wars. So, Aww, so it'll be kind of cool. So they're actually, and it's cool. They're actually releasing classic characters too, like Mickey and Donald Duck and Goofy. And stuff Speaking like of Disney, um, I read somewhere just randomly that uh, they, the people making Kingdom Hearts, are not averse to throwing in possibly Star Wars and, and Marvel, Marvel characters. Yeah. So I heard that too. Oh, I will lose my you know fucking mind. I'm, t- I'm totally cool with it because I picked up like I didn't. I thought I was you done with what? my PS3. Actually, that would be really yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. I was like, yeah. If I see a battle with Loki versus Seth I will lose my fucking shit. Keyblades, like Keyblade. Oh my god, that'd be amazing! A lightsaber Keyblade. I want to see that. I didn't think about that. Can you imagine like also the back end of a Keyblade being Molnir from fucking Thor? Yes. And could you imagine Donald and Goofy dressed up like Jedi? Oh my god, yes! And if you're gonna throw in Marvel stuff too, think about it, because like, Donald, or not Donald, um, Goofy's always been the defender. Give him the cap shield. Oh my god! (laughs) Amazing! Dress up Donald as Doctor Strange. Come on, this is gonna be amazing. (laughs) Donald is a Benedict Cumberbatch knockoff. That'd be amazing. So, this would be pretty cool. But yeah, no, like, I thought I was done with my PS3. I thought I was already ready for the next gen. I've been playing Kingdom Hearts 2.5. It just came out last week. It's the only reason I'm sad I got rid of my PS3. Only reason. Yeah. Well, if you get a PS4, it sounds like that's coming to PS4. They're going to do both the Kingdom Hearts games from there. So I'm so angry about that. I've been waiting and waiting. Where the frick is this Kingdom Hearts 3? I know, right? I I feel like I've been waiting a lifetime. 2016, probably, if not 2017. we got a long wait still. It's Square. They tease stuff early and (laughs) give us something many, many moons later. And which actually segues us into the rest of this PlayStation discussion was the PlayStation Experience, which was last weekend in Las Vegas. And they said, hey, we're going to give us an amazing community event for all the PlayStation loyalists. And Adrian is driving herself crazy right now. Good reason for it, though, too. We got to see a lot of awesome stuff at the PlayStation Experience. We got to see Uncharted 4 live on stage for the very first time. It was not some canned video. Somebody on stage playing the game. We realized that when it looked too good to be true, and then we saw a glitch. And then we saw somebody start again, and we're like, holy shit, there's an actual guy sitting on the stage and playing it. Uncharted 4 looks beautiful. And they showed us a ton of great indie games that are already on Steam that are coming to PlayStation. Um, my big moment of show was we had Tim Schafer walk on stage, which is the god that it's, is at Double Fine Studios. And um, he came out and said his game Broken Age is coming to PlayStation in, in its entirety when it's ready. And Grim Fandango from the LucasArts Classics is coming out. And we saw that actually on stage, which they announced at E3. And all of a sudden they said, hey, by the way, Day of the Tentacle is getting a remastered, which was one of the games from my childhood, so I'm pumped. But then things went south. And at the PlayStation Experience, we had the head of Square Enix come out on stage. 
And he starts off his presentation and states, 17 years ago, and you saw the crowd, like, all of their assholes puckered at once. And like, is this now? Are they really gonna do it? But the legend's true! And then the audience got quiet for a second, and then the screens behind the president of Square Enix flashed, and it was white screens with very well-known phrases and a logo. Final Fantasy VII. And then you heard a massive eruption in the crowd. Everybody was, like, geeking the fuck out. Fuck yeah. And they said, we are bringing Final Fantasy VII to the PlayStation 4. And everybody was like, holy shit. Oh, my It's God. time. This is about to happen. This is why I'm alive. <laughs> and the auditorium gets dark, and everybody's waiting for the next moment of this presentation. <laughs> and everybody's pumped and excited. Everybody's been waiting for the remake of Final Fantasy VII because Square has remade every other Final Fantasy leading up to this game so far. And it's Square and they need time to remake their games. Three years is perfect time to get to the 20th anniversary. The game is showing and we're seeing classic moments and screenshots from Final Fantasy VII. It says, for the first time on PlayStation 4, Final Fantasy, and everybody's just like gasping, wet breath, waiting for <laughs> these classic images to morph into HD remade versions, and it just keeps going. And all we see is classic Final Fantasy VII. And we're about a minute and a half watching this video, and you just hear silence. And it comes back to the President's Square, and you see the Ken shots of the crowd. And the crowd is now looking very angry. And then the President says, by the way, we're bringing the PC version made by Eidos, over to the PlayStation 4, and it's going to be coming out in just a few weeks. Or, well, I think it's actually, you know, like six months. I don't know what the fuck it is. And they're like, it's the up-res PC version, which still means <laughs> shitty graphics with bad MIDI music. Not even the original orchestral music. Bad MIDI music. And they said, but it's okay, because Final Fantasy 4 is going to be on PlayStation. And everybody was like, yeah, go fuck yourself. Seriously? Yeah. So, I was going to say, uh, Riot? I know. Um, actually, there were some really awesomely amazing memes from it where you oh actually can God. see in four screenshots the audience reaction to him coming out on stage to laughing at the ass end. And it was pretty much, I mean, everybody pretty much said it was the ultimate troll by both Sony and Square. Basically, Squeenix gave everybody despair for Advent. <laughs> and I asked myself, I actually posted about this extensively. Um, and I said, you know, I'm sitting here trying to figure out who is a bigger troll? Is George R. R. Martin or is it Squeenix? Because George R. R. Martin, you know, we're all waiting for the winds of winter. If you guys are into Song of Ice and Fire, Game of Thrones, for the those of you who have, uh, you know, not, not, not read the books yet. Um, and we're all waiting for it. And he announced, I'm going to release a book. It's going to be the world of ice and fire, which is not the next one. And we're all like, are you serious? Yeah, it's like, so it's kind of like, we, we, we want this. We want the winds of winter. Well, this is what you got. We want a Final Fantasy remake. This is what you have. So I have learned so that mean. the things you love will disappoint you and they will rip your heart out. So you know what? You just, you just, you just don't. I would be, I would rather though be teased and let down than, and not to belittle your 17 years. But I've been waiting 20 years for my Final Fantasy VI either remake 
or port or just something. They did. Aww, they did. They put it on a cell phone. No, they put it on the PSP. Yeah, so it is on the PSP. But it still looks the same. No, they upped it. They, they upped it. They did upped it. A little bit. They I don't see. have a PSP. Do you want mine? Oh. No. <gasps> yeah, that's pretty I much. just want to be sad. <laughs> Man. And like I said, ultimately still like... There was a lot of really good, though, that still came out of the PlayStation experience. But, like, ultimately, though, people will get a little bummed. Because that was the tail end of the show. It was the second to last announcement, so everybody... Yeah, you would want... You would, you would hope that they would do something that they Every, would make... Everybody yeah. expected the last Guardian. Because this is your fan community. This is what they wanted. Um, and when everybody saw that director come out, and knowing his attachment to Square and what he has done, and his involvement, especially in the Final Fantasy brand... He's the same guy that came out at the PlayStation announcement for PS4 uh, that said, hey, everybody, please be excited for E3, which has become a huge meme with Square. But it, it, so it's not a big shock Sorry. to see that this guy created just another joke for that company. So it's kind of I, a shame. I, think they I just want better. them to come out with a good game again. Yes. That would be nice. Like, too. that's all I really want. And a lot of people are hoping that Final Fantasy 15 is going to be that game. Well, I think they like to see us suffer. No. <laughs> like I said, Final, no. Final Fantasy is a brand. Is I mean, hard, and we can only hope that Kingdom Hearts Three I mean, is still gonna be awesome. Seven, eight, nine, it and better ten. Better be. Yeah, seriously. Seven, eight, nine, or six, seven, yeah. eight, nine, ten. Four. X two was amazing. Don't care what anybody says. <laughs> and moving from X two, then on to twelve. 12 was alright. They tried some new stuff, but it was decent. The story suffered. But then 13. 13 was just... I didn't beat it because it was the... So, all (laughs) JRPGs tend to be very linear. They're all linear. Even Final Fantasy VII was a linear game, but one of the things that Squaresoft, Square Enix, Squeenix, whatever... One of the things that they were always very good about doing was to give them an open world feel, even though it was a linear game. Yeah. Final well, Fantasy XIII was literally you started on one edge of a board yeah. and ran to the end of the board. And in a line. In a line. Basically, well, Final Fantasy has always been all about the story. In fact, when when um, Sakaguchi came out when they first started, he said he didn't really, he never really. Didn't really know how to make a video game, but he knew how to tell a story. So it's always been about the story. And like with yeah. with twelve, my issue with my issue with it was that your main character was someone that should have been a side character. You basically were seeing the world through the gotcha. through the eyes of of Vaughn, who was like this young boy, where it should have really been focused on Balthier and Fran or Bosch or those people that actually kind of mattered. Like it was like you were basically fil- you were basically okay. Like when you're reading a story, one of the things you have to learn when you're reading a story is that you get rid of filter words. And with with twelve, you were almost like seeing the world filter through his eyes instead of just having it presented. And I didn't I didn't play thirteen. I watched Fig play it. Um, and it wasn't. It was boring. You know, I uh, didn't even realize that twelve came out. <laughs> there was no marketing for it. It was yeah. also, really Final Fantasy twelve two also came out at the very tail end of the PlayStation two. Like, it yeah. was when PS3 yeah, was, it was a, transitioning. Just two months yeah. away from coming out. I couldn't out. tell you anything about it, though. Yeah, like, I that thing, at least with 13, it. there was better marketing, I think. Yeah. I, I it looked like, like it was going to be good. 12 was actually, I mean, I enjoyed playing it. Like, it was fun to play, but I definitely noticed the 
the drop in story. But, it, you know, honestly, I look at it like anything. Like, once you become very popular, because I've noticed this with authors, too. Once you become very popular, you can essentially sort of do whatever the fuck you want, and people are still going to buy you based on the brand. Now, if you continue yeah. to um, d- distribute poor things, then people will start to drop off and will stop to, you know, which is what's happening with with screens. But it's kind of like once you have, like, a name and you make a brand then you, you kind of, I've noticed like people often kind of sell out with quality yeah. clients. And it's kind of like, it's something that like, you know, as somebody who, you know, creates and writes and stuff, stuff like that, like I'm, I, I look at that and it's sort of like, you know, that's my definition of selling out because yeah. it's kind of like you now have this name, you know, you should, you should be trying to better yourself to live, live up to it. Well, so. I mean, a big part of that though too is comes from, especially in gaming, the shift that has happened yeah. from um, the Japanese developers. These were the kings of gaming. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you can see it, like, um, I've brought up to many of our friends over the last couple of months. There was an amazing book, if you ever want to look at it. There's an author by the name of Blake J. Harris that wrote a book called The Console Wars. And he kind of talks about the prominence of gaming in Japan, especially in the 80s during the 8 and 16-bit eras. So, like, Sega Genesis versus, uh, versus the Super Nintendo. Yeah. And then the rise of things like uh, PlayStation. Um, so, I mean, it, it kind of gets very interesting when you look at all this stuff. But you look at our culture now over the last few years, and you look at how many major Japanese publications have almost are close to the point of dying. Yeah. And Square, unfortunately, is one of them. The only reason they are afloat is because the absorption of companies like Eidos, which are the people that are responsible for games like Hitman and Tomb Raider. Mm-hmm. And if it, they didn't have those games backing Square Enix now, they would be under. They would be completely under. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I'm at least still happy that we're going to get games like Final Fantasy XV and Kingdom Hearts 3. Yeah. Because if they did... Versus 13. Well, yeah, versus 13, which is now 15. But, like, if they did not acquire... <laughs> if they didn't acquire Eidos and Crystal Dynamics, yeah. they would not be around anymore. Like, they would have been... They'd be in just as bad of a shape as companies like Konami and Capcom. And if Konami yeah. didn't have Metal Gear and Capcom didn't have things like Resident Evil, yeah. they would all be completely under. And we'd be all focusing on... U.S. and Canadian developers and European mm-hmm. developers, and that would be the end of the culture. Well, I, I do have to say one thing about Final, Final Fantasy Thirteen. I I played a lot in the first Final Fantasy Thirteen. I love the paradigm paradigm system. You couldn't put it into the autoplay mode mm. because then it just gets boring. You just hit a button and then you walk away, and make a sandwich. The auto battle, yeah. yeah, the auto battle. You actually had to sit there and like actually control the character. You couldn't do the auto battle system. That was Horse shit. Get get that. Get out of here. If you if you were making your decision based on the auto battle system, if you sat there and actually controlled your party as you were supposed to, yeah, it was a really fun system. Okay, it was no, I saw the absolutely fun system. I hated the very linear aspect of it. It didn't even like portray itself to be an open world system. It was At just all. we didn't have a line. We didn't have an overworld into the ass end of the game. Like, where's no... my Final Fantasy airships? That's yeah, what I want. I want my airship. Airships make airships and overworlds. Yeah. And then, why has nobody written that book too? Airships and overworlds. Nobody somebody, get on that. Get on. <laughs> <laughs> That's yours. That's the joy you do. There you go. Airships and overworlds. That's all you. Actually, that'd be a good name too. That's yeah, right? a good name. But I. Playing playing through the story of Final Fantasy Thirteen, I really enjoyed the story of it with the um the this 
the sea. I although it was kind of confusing playing through it for the first time, like all the different little similar terminologies for two completely different things, like the the the, the sea and the the. What the, the fuck? Felt the false uh, sea, and like it was, it all kind of, all, all of that kind of blended together. But the overarching story of of the like Sarah and lightning and all that Sarah stuff. Sarah lightning was really snow was really interesting. Was pretty, and then they they fucked themselves right in the asshole with thirteen two with time paradoxes. Because they were square. Wait, the squeeze. There there's a thirteen three. Yeah, there's a thirteen three. Yeah. You need three games. Yeah. Thirteen three. Kind of, from what I've heard, I haven't played thirteen three, but from what I've heard, thirteen three does kind of reconcile the entire storylines. Time paradoxes are kind of. I mean, because the first Final Fantasy has a time paradox, so I mean, like they. It's kind, it looks like they were trying to bring it back to it because I know that because I just played the first one. I was like, holy shit, they had the time paradox in that, and then like, what the hell? What are you? You know what? I don't care. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, we have like the one in one in eight. So they might have been trying to bring it back to the original. No, I, I think you. It, they pulled a. Uh, what was the other one? It, it, they, I think they got they got uh, Dragon Age two. Where yeah. yeah. There, there was a, there was this demand. It, no, it was a, it was a money grab. Yeah, uh, thirteen two was a money grab to fund future pro- to fund future projects because yeah. Squeenix, as we've been discussing, was dying. So they needed a money grab, and thirteen two was that money grab, and they didn't really put put together a whole a very good story for it, and they they brought in time paradoxes. And mess with timelines, and it just, it wasn't well done. It was a mess. Yeah. It, was, it was just a mess. Disney should buy them. And that's it for me. I'm out again. With, um, with Final Fantasy, like, so, you know, the Squeenix did it. Well, what were they when Final Fantasy first came out? Square, Squaresoft. 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 So, but since Square Enix is broke, they need, like, a final something now. Actually, we kind of got that, though. It's well, a game that's actually not on a Sony platform. It's called Bravely Default. Um, Bravely Default yeah, was them saying, really it was the first time they tested the waters and said, JRPGs are dying as a brand. Um, nobody wants to buy these games anymore, so they said, where can we put this that people care? And Japanese gamers do not care about consoles as much anymore. You can see it in stats. If you take your time to read how any of the consoles are selling in Japan, it's poorly. Handhelds, on the other hand, like PSP and 3DS, doing amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Bravely Default, when it came to the US, which was like what Final Fantasy was, mm-hmm. when they hit 3DS in Japan, it, it completely exploded and became a huge cultural phenomenon over there. When it came over here, it did almost just as fucking well. And that gave everybody proof positive that JRPGs are not dead, you just need to do them right. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a game for the Xbox 360. I think it was... um maybe Lost Odyssey. Yes. And that was a very traditional JRPG, very Final Fantasy-esque, where you followed this character through this beautiful world and story, and it was just a great line and very open world. It was also like four CDs, (laughs) which was substantial at the time. Yeah. um, Anyway. Ultimately, though, like we can all admit PlayStation has been an amazing brand. Oh, and we're getting on a huge tangent, and I know <laughs> Bill here has well, got somewhere very special to be very soon. So, Bill, if you need to jump up at any point in time and head out, I understand. We're going to get to the next topic and then close out the show. Um, but if you need to head out, I totally understand. So if we lose Bill in the mix of this... Does- my, my sister is turning 21 tonight. 
Yep. And it's only about an hour before she does. So, so yeah. when you need to head it's out, a trap. Um, it is a trap. It's kind of my fault. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Final Fantasy Tand. I'm sitting here. We, understand. we also didn't have an episode this month, so we had a lot yeah. to cover too. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. this, with this being the only one, it's all good. Totally get it. But like, if we lose Bill in this mix. Please understand why, so I apologize for that. If we lose, so, it's a trap. You can blame uh, the Final Fantasy <laughs> Guru. So, if he has Sorry. to head out, we will totally say goodbye <laughs> to Bill while we're on the podcast. Yeah. But, ultimately, again, thank you very much to PlayStation. Happy 20th anniversary from Yay. everybody at the Caffeine Crew. Yay. But there's one big final gaming discussion we need to have that we've been putting off for it's way too long. Serious, and serious business. This could go on for a tiny little bit, but we're going to try not to be too long-winded about it. So, if you've been... Paying attention to gaming, especially in the last like three to four months, there's something that's been out there called Gamergate. And Gamergate has been kind of a bane on the existence of what we like to view ourselves as gamers. Um, I'd like to speak up on this first. Um, not just because I have to go, but um, I feel really embarrassed about it because I was duped. When it's when everything first broke, I was duped, and I believed what all those major assholes were saying out there. And we actually even talked about it on the podcast. Yeah, mm-hmm. like and uh, yeah. I just I couldn't believe how much misinformation was out there by people who are just trying to, to just trying to perpetuate the boys' club, which it can't be. A boys club. It can't be a boys club anymore. It couldn't it shouldn't have been a boys club ever. No. And that's why I'm really happy that we've got three guys and three girls here to discuss this. It makes yeah. me really excited. It's a good, uh... Um the biggest thing that, uh, that I see moving forward is it it's the whole thing. It, it it's the whole thing that they've been saying, you know, with like to relate it to like, you know, anti-terrorism efforts because that's what it really has to be. If you see something out there, say something. Mm-hmm. Call out these people on their shitty, shitty actions and make them accountable for what, you know, what's just right and good. Like, you know, they need to, to stop what they're doing. They, they need to be called out, you know, for the terrible things that they're trying to do and perpetuate. And real quick to say what we're discussing, too, that we discussed previously in the podcast was us really briefly discussing... Um, Zoe Quinn. Um, we talked about in the past of how fucked up it was, and we kind of glossed over it, but we did bring it up, and how messed up the situation was as we kind of discussed Phil Fish a couple months back. So, Adrian? Oh, um, basically what I was going to say was that um, you, the narrative has to be kept open, and really, the fact that, um, I mean, I'm, I'm on Twitter, and I see... I see other guys saying stuff, saying shit, calling people out. And that's really what has to happen because I could sit there and call people out till I'm blue in the face and I'm probably going to be called every name under the sun and, you know, I'm going to be doxxed, you know, have my information spread around. But there was actually an example where um, a football player was calling out, you know, calling these guys out and saying all kinds of stuff and nothing happened to him. And then Felicia Day just said, you know, how terrible it was and Mm -hmm. shitstorm all over the freaking place. So it has to be, I mean, unfortunately, like it, it has to be, you know, guys sort of have to like be like, hey, dude, you know, this, this is not cool because for it's the unfortunate truth is that 
these people, they obviously don't respect women. And it's sexism it, in video games. It really it's, is. It's really what it really a is. lot of this is boiling down to. And if, but if another guy says, hey, you know what, that shit's not cool, more than likely they're going to be listened to. And the really frustrating part for about Gamergate with me is, in reality, it's actually a very small group. It is. It, it is. is. It is. In the grand scheme, I think the numbers are somewhere in the realm of two to 3,000 people make up Gamergate. Mm-hmm. And that is such a small portion of the community. Mm-hmm. That Probably it just... like less than 1%. Oh, yeah. <coughs> but, like, if you look at it, it's really embarrassing, like, what that small portion did to the community. Like... Because the thing is, like, you know, a lot of, like, gamers growing up were, like, the quieter kids or, like, the loners or did the, you know, like, we threw ourselves into gaming and things like that. And it's really rough when it comes to, like, the major news because of what people are doing. And it ends up becoming, like, you know, it's every, all the general populace is like, look at these fucking losers. Mm -hmm. Like, well, really, guys? Come on. (laughs) You know? It's just not a cool thing. Now, it's going to be weird saying it, yeah. but and and maybe almost kind of going in the wrong direction because I hate to say things like this. Yeah. But it's at the point where really men need to men need to stand up and be men and call out these boys for what they're trying to do. Mhm. And you know, again, not to again, not to like gender stereotype yeah, 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 things yeah, like yeah, that yeah. but okay. yeah we we you know we be, all need to stand up and and, and pretty, pretty much be adults like be adults. the ones the gamer yeah. ga- gamer gators are acting they're childish they're acting like children who aren't getting their way with you know people have to be adults well one of the funny things is um that a lot of people don't think about with things like gamer game coming up is the like stereotypical traditional guy gamer that like everybody thinks about that changed, not now, that changed when the Wii came out. Mm-hmm. And when gaming mm-hmm. became something for everyone. Mm-hmm. Like, does anybody else remember when the Wii launched and all of a sudden there was old people in yep. retirement yeah. homes playing video games for the first time ever? And it was awesome. Yeah. It, oh, fuck gaming yeah. changed then. It is no longer the loner nerd club anymore mm-hmm. for the guys. It is for everybody. It changed then. It changed when we could play any video game we wanted to on our fucking cell phones. It changed then. It has nothing to do with the past console generation or now. It changed ten years ago. Yeah. And the fact that people are making us think about it now is retarded. It's absolutely fucking retarded. It is now something... It's always been something for everybody. But it was really in the limelight back then that it was something for everybody. And everybody really, really cared about it and embraced it. And that's a good thing for gamers. That means yeah. more people are making games, which means it's more for us to play. It gives us a chance for games to become art, not just games anymore. We saw so many amazing... So much diversity. Exactly. Which just makes it better. Like, yeah. with indie studios now being popping up left and right and being able to have the ability to put things out on Steam and PlayStation and Xbox and Wii, whatever they want to do, we all now have a voice. And it's a voice that's allowed to be heard all around the world. You can't say you're not allowed to have that voice. You are quieting the developers for saying this is my art I want to share it with you I hope you enjoy it mm-hmm. that's a problem you, it's not about these AAA games where it's these 
30-some-year-old men that are holding up in their parents' basements that we always joke about. They're like, no, 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 this is mine. You're not allowed to take this from me. Like, this has always been mine since I've been a kid. No, you have to let that go. It's okay to let that go. Because if you do, better things come from it. It, it becomes a better world. Um, Actually, one of the things um we wanted to discuss with um how things have been moving forward was, um what was the name of the girl that was calling out the kids? Alana, Alana Pierce. Alana Pierce. Yeah. Alana um, Pierce, yeah. Where she ended up contacting one of the kids' mothers, but that actually well, made me think about it. There was a good it. reason for it, though, too. Mm-hmm. Like, well, that made me think about it, though. So, the thing is, the problem with anonymity on the internet is it's not necessarily getting restricted, and if you take a 10-year-old boy, whatever, 13, whatever age these kids are, and they're not getting supervised, and they're just handed, like, okay, go do what you want in front of the computer, mm-hmm. and, or the parent doesn't realize that they're doing power. that. It's, it's a, a lot of power, amount of power, but a lot of the things, a lot of the, like, when you're 13, <laughs> do you really understand, like, well, unless you've had a horrible circumstance or life, do you understand what, like, rape is? No, you really Probably don't. Not. So no. these, if, if a lot of these people making the threats, like, these death threats, these rape threats, and things like that, they may be kids that don't actually realize what they're saying or the severity of it. The problem with it is if it wasn't anonymous and you know that a 13-year-old boy's saying it to you, you're going to be like, all right, whatever, dude. Like, you know, you can see, okay, it's a kid. However, if it's a grown man saying it or a grown woman, you know, like, that's a whole different ball game. So that's the scary part about the anonymity mm-hmm. and getting those, like, you know, getting those threats is because you don't know who's behind it. Yeah. You don't know if they're serious, if they can find you, because I yeah. know. Um, real quick, before we continue this, uh, real quick, we have to say goodbye to Bill. Bye, Bye, Bill. Bye, everybody. Bill, have a great time tonight, and happy 21st to your sister. Hey, thank you. She thanks you, too. <laughs> so... But the thing with all this going down, um, and I know one of the reasons we wanted to bring it up is not to be vicious on this whole mess and cause more stir. Because again, with the Alana Pierce thing, while it were, I'm, a lot of us are very, well, a lot of people are very proud for her speaking up, she kind of almost adds to the problem to an extent. How? By well, not adds to the problem, but like when people dox somebody. With the whole instance of gamer games, mm-hmm. docks the Mac. Yeah, it's kind of like that. She, eye for an here's eye. the difference, though. She wasn't sharing their. She wa- that's the difference. She like, wa- that's a different well, scenario. She's it's not because it's going to the, court now that that's it has become the. Yeah, because she wasn't sharing the information right. publicly. She contacted it the parents. Turned into that because right. of what happened. However, it didn't have to. Right. Do you know what I mean? I do think that like this level, like this anonymity, where people can just like. Hop on and throw all these threats around it's online. A problem. It's a huge stop. problem. I mean, it's really bad. Paper visit the. I mean, like I Can read really articles. Stop though. I read art. I mean, like if you ever go yeah. to YouTube, it's like the freaking cesspool. Oh God! Of the, well, YouTube, YouTube comments. comments. Oh. Yeah. Or just news you articles. Want to give up on. <laughs> Stopping people from being rude and sending threats. No, we can't stop that. No, that, mm-hmm. we can't. And I mean, that. Welcome to the internet. I mean, I hate to put it that way. The only way you can do it is like just to, if people were educated and empathetic, but that's never going to happen. What we can do is 
the the vast majority of gamers who don't agree with Gamergate because it is an extreme minority of the people. Right. That's true. Yep. Can try and influence the publishing studios that Gamergate's actually affecting. And yes. that's the saddest part about it is that this small minority is actually affecting what studios Think are about, doing. Well, yeah, again, I'm not trying to defend these people at all. Like, from what I was saying, it's just kind of like, how do you handle this, right? There, it feels like there's no clean way, but there is a clean way. It's what a lot of us as gamers have been doing. You think about um, charities that a lot of us have gotten behind in the last couple of years. Extra Life, right. Child's Play. These are two huge things that gamers have pulled together to do anything that they can to erase those memories of what's happening. You have people that are out there on Twitter and YouTube comments and Facebook and any way they can contact these publishers where they can have an effect on those people's lives. Because it's been going on, not just what we view as Gamergate, but gamers going after publishers or honestly even reviewers of reviewers games. Reviewers a lot, yeah. And reviewers of games have been getting shit for years now. Like, if you have a franchise that people love and you give a bad score to that, whether they, these people play the game or not, I can tell you a thousand times I've heard in the past ten years death threats gone to reviewers, whether they're male or female, because they gave a bad score. Wow. Listen to an IGN podcast sometime and go back a couple of years. You will hear that left and right. Like, mm-hmm. um, there's an amazing person that has actually been very active about speaking out about Gamergate, um, where a lot of major companies have been afraid to is a guy by the name of Ryan McCaffrey that works for IGN and he leads the Xbox podcast, a lot podcast. And, um, he is very actively has kind of yelled at his audience. Um, and he's one of the few that I've ever heard that have done it for like him giving a bad review on a game or, People bring up Gamergate, and he kind of really shames those people that listen to that show if there are those people. Like, and I really commend that dude for doing it because he's one of the few. Because so many people are so afraid to talk about this. But then, like Felicia Day brings it up for a second mm-hmm. and gets doxxed, and like that's and that's the fucked up part. Well, I think like um, one of the things that was discussed is like Twitter. Um, some social media outlets are better at monitoring things. Twitter is not. They, it's, so it's like, it, you know, they don't monitor things as well. I mean, Facebook has plenty of flaws, don't get me wrong, but it is a little bit better with Twitter in that regard. Like, you don't, I mean, with you can Facebook, at least report stuff and, on and Facebook. Facebook. It doesn't you're under work, your huh? own personal thing. So a lot yeah. of people, you know, as much as like people will get into trouble because it's online and people don't understand the difference. As sometimes, though, at least, you like, like, delete comments. You can delete like, comments, part things of like that. Various forums, and yeah. if somebody's just being a jerk for the sake of being a jerk, I yeah. just. Yeah, you, like, yeah. That's you nice. have more agency. Because yep. I did, I posted something on Twitter, and, like, I got some, somebody, like, replied, and all you can really do, like, I tried to, de- I tried to, like, delete it, and you can't. You can't. I mean, all you can do, so all you can do yeah, is really ignore it, because. Really um, little side note on Twitter, um, Mostly because I consider myself the resident big brother, afraid of the NSA, knowing <laughs> all of my business. Um, every tweet ever is actually recorded legally in the Library of Congress. Yeah, you did so for anybody who has... Really? Yeah, so it's big pro and a con when you look at it as far as all of these people making all the hate tweets or yeah. the group of people who beat up the um, gay couple in Philly, yeah, and then yeah. you saw their Twitter accounts, and they were ridiculous. Yeah. Well, all of those tweets are saved. 
and are all viable as evidence in everything. So hopefully in the future, with that, they have everything documented by users. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, ultimately, like, the thing that we really want to discuss also with Gamergate, though, is what can we do as gamers? Everybody here at this table is a gamer, one shape or form. What can we do, and what can gamers do as a whole to kind of prove that we are not this? I think spread awareness. I mean, like, one of the best articles that came out of all that, there was a guy who pretty much was like, hey, I, who actually empathized with the guys, like, with, like, the small group of people that were sending the death threats and things like that, because he was like, I used to be one of you. I used to be bitter, and I used to have, like, be in a really dark place, and games were this for me, and I felt the same way, and I understand your feelings, but this is why it's wrong. And so I think that sort of article was really valuable because you kind of can see the perspective and at least, yeah, it was really, really well done. Um, Basically, like I said before, say something. Like if you see there's, there's stuff going down, you know, like a lot of times like I do, I don't always say what I want to say because I don't want to get caught up in a shitstorm. But I mean, silence only helps the oppressor. Like if right. you if you yeah. stay silent, you're only you're basically being complicit in what's going on. That kind of goes into what I was going to say, which is write letters. If you feel upset about this and you want to change it and you just want your voice to be heard, get in touch with the publishers, reach out to them because if enough of the actual gamers who are good people and are open and love the fact that you can have a video game RPG relationship between a giant bull man and a g- tiny dwarf woman or dwarf <laughs> man and that can happen somebody playing dragon <laughs> no no dragon age at all. <laughs> but it that type of openness that we're known for as millennials, we need to convey that as a group to yeah. the publishers yeah. and let them know that the vast majority of us want them to keep doing what they're doing as opposed to not doing that and listening to discrimination and sexism. Yeah. And honestly, even just kind of coming off of the fact that we just passed Thanksgiving. Um, one of the best things that anybody can do that if you're a gamer is social media has changed the way we are interacting with the people that create our content. We have the ability to reach out to the people that we can tell them we are thankful for what they've done. If you have a game community, especially that you know and you love that is being attacked by people like this, the best thing you can do is reach out and say thank you for creating something that you care about. That is such a strong thing because for every time they get hate, that one time somebody says, thank you so much for changing my life and making it feel like it, you're connecting to what I'm going through in my life right now really means something to those people. So don't be afraid to do, say thank you for making this game that has gotten me through this hard time in my life. I've heard so many gaming podcasts where people have talked to developers, community members, and said, you know, I've gone through this tragedy in my life and your game got me through so much. And thank you for creating that and giving me experience that got me through that part of my life. And it's amazing to see. If you do that, it really can mean something huge to the person that created that content. It makes them want to keep going instead of seeing hate for what they're doing and saying, we don't want to do this or create for you anymore. Look at people like Phil Fish. So many people have given him shit about how he was treating the gaming community. 
But I heard at the same time so many people that loved Fez and was like, Fez was such an amazingly fun game. And thank you so much for creating this awesome retro game that reminded me of my past. And if you had people like that reaching out to him and saying that, and more so than the people that were giving him heat, he'd still be making games. He walked away from the gaming industry for that reason. You have people like Notch who made Minecraft, and he said he did not want to be involved in a gaming community that was so negative and hateful when he made a game that has now changed the world. Mm-hmm. Minecraft is a cultural phenomenon. Everyone plays Everybody it. Knows Everybody plays Minecraft. it. It's available at anything you can touch. <laughs> I have a problem with Minecraft. <laughs> <laughs> and, but the thing is, Notch, when he sold, he said he was happy to be rid of the gaming community to an extent. Not to those words specifically, but he was happy with that part of his life being gone. Look at the guy that made Flappy Bird for fuck's sake. Yeah. Flappy Bird. Yeah. I, I would have liked to have had Notch not sell it to Microsoft. You know what, though? Anybody else other than Microsoft, oh. really. <laughs> I understand that, but you know what, though? Like, like, and that's the, that's the only thing that I'm salty with. with you reach with a breaking it, point, you reach a breaking point. Yeah. Uh, that's the only thing I'm salty with. It's like, I, it's nothing against Notch or, or, or the developers who, who want to get out of, out of it because of, out of it because of like the negative gaming community. But it's just, the, the problem is when you sell, um, Mojang to a company like Microsoft, you're just inviting the hate then. Well, that's, it's a mixed bag, especially though. because when Microsoft is going to is going to, I hope it doesn't happen. I sincerely sincerely hope it doesn't happen. But from the perspective of a gamer who's who's loved Minecraft for a long time and who's seen the who's seen what Microsoft has done to a lot of its it, a lot of its um, fellow gamers, that it's going to ruin Minecraft for a whole group of people. That's a completely. Di- uh, I understand what you're saying, but that's uh, such a. It, it's it, a whole different. It's a, a huge different topic, and like it's something I think we should talk but, about at some point down the future. But like, ultimately though, like the the people that are creating the content though, that's the big topic of discussion. And corporations getting themselves involved, like you can look at a thousand and one things, like <laughs> Activision <laughs> and EA. EA has been the most hated company when it comes to people saying their word, even more so than Comcast. <laughs> let's, let's be honest here; that's a huge different world. I mean, that's a huge discussion for another day. But I understand that, though. I completely understand what you're saying. But when we all get down to it, though, like it's what we can do positively though is like it's getting out there and, and reaching out and saying we care thank you for what you've done but there, there's there's a certain point where you can say you can say thank you for what you've done but you can't uh put that ahead of giving giving the the company's feedback for bad business practices it's not a bad business practice to eventually want to move on uh, no it's it's not it's not even have it has to do with any of this it's, this is completely different it's, it's it's, it's, this is a separate thing that I'm, I'm trying to talk about right now. It's, it's, yes, you can speak out against things like what's happened with Gamergate, but you can't praise somebody for, for, uh, having a bad business practice. I, I know what you're saying, but again, ultimately it's kind of a different I, I, Yeah, I think like they're kind of, I'm going to probably use mutually exclusive wrong, but like, you know, they might have a bad biz, business, but it's kind of like, it's one thing, and then it's like this this other thing. Like, yeah, they might have a bad business practice, like you know, selling it to Microsoft. 
but they were still able to accomplish this, and I think that's the... The fact they were able to accomplish yeah. something a lot of people co- Something that, that was that positive. Is, that is the positive. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm also looking at, at the future for, for a lot of these games. Like, like EA, we, we brought up just now that, that EA has terrible business practices, and it's, it's fucked a lot, of, a lot of games, like Dragon Age 2, um, Battlefield 4, um, the, the Origin server, like it, it, it's you. You can't, you can't just outright praise something just because of, of a majority of people who like it. You also have to realize that some of these, some of these practices that that they do do affect the gaming community, and they affect the gaming community negatively. No, they do. Even even if they put out a, a really good product, if if like you force a game out fast. Even though, like, Dragon Age 2, I love playing Dragon Age 2, but I will still give EA shit for forcing Dragon Age 2 out as fast as it happened. Yeah, but, I mean, that's a different thing over Game and Gate, though, still. Yeah, I think, um, the difference is more, um, it's one thing, like, I, I understand what you're saying, I do think feedback is essential, you know? And, I like, I'm not condoning, you know... But no feedback. Like, but um, what, what I'm what I'm trying to say here is um, I, I, I might I haven't portrayed this clearly because I'm like five beers deep. But um, <laughs> but it's 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 constructive feedback. I know. Yeah. It's not sure. it's not the it's not the death threats. It's not the, the threats of physical yeah. violence. It's not the threat of rape. It's it's actually provide constructive feedback. The problem is with Gamergate, though, people have not been able to get that message across yeah. because there's so many people giving them so much hate. Yeah. When you those people mm-hmm. and community managers that work for all those big companies and small companies and they see death threats and we're going after your family, mm-hmm. those people run and get scared. Mm-hmm. I would also say, like, negative. Um, I wouldn't consider, like, constructive feedback negative either. I actually consider that good. You're great. So like, you, yeah, you, like, you hope yeah. for when, if I, Even if I get a negative review, right? Yeah. I actually still consider that fine as long as it's constructive and well done. Yeah. So and like, that's, that's the thing. It's, it's like we as, we as a community need to, need to incentive, need to, not, not incentivize, but like need to push that, that the, uh, the, the constructive feedback mm-hmm. that needs to take the precedence of it. And, and where we, we as the community need to drown out that that minority that minority uh, that's that's one thing that I feel that that needs to be done is it's it's we have to make it known that that these people who are making the threats are the minority and that we as a community love it or love love the game or hate the game love your practice or hate your practice yeah it needs to be it needs to be of value um I was basically Good. Um, no, I, I, going back to the whole, um, telling people that you appreciate it. There actually, I mean, there are, there are websites, I mean, d- devoted towards things like that, like, you know, confessions. Um, I've seen post secrets where people are saying, you know, this game saved my life, or this thing mm-hmm. saved my life. So that's actually, I mean, that does happen. Already, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. And I, again, as we wrap up this conversation, because we go on this for a very long time, <laughs> because there's a lot wrapped up in what Gamergate was supposed to be and what it became. Because um, we even didn't even touch what Gamergate was meant to be. Mm-hmm. And that's a discussion for another day. Um, <laughs> because if not, we're going to be here until 2 in the morning. And it's already like, yeah, 11.45. So, oh my god. So, I know people here have had a long day. But the big thing is, if you want to be a positive member of the gaming community, 
Do what you can to be a positive member. Do something amazing for the community. Again, a lot of people here that were at this table have gotten themselves involved in the last two years in Extra Life. Extra Life is something I care about so much. Um, this past year, our, like, Extra Life as a whole had raised over $5.3 million for children's hospitals. That is amazing. Last year we were at 4.4 million. I think it raised that much in a year. And I, I, I think it's like less than 10 years running. That's pretty fucking amazing. And it's a whole bunch of people that are saying as much negativity that happens in this community, we can do something and shed some light on something great. So again, there's Child's Play that's out there right now, which is a great community. There's Extra Life and there's so much more. So do what you can. If you're really worried about your name being tarnished as a gamer, you can do something positive. Get out there and do it. You have the power to do so. You've got the uh, internet at your fingertips. If you want to find out how, just search Google. You'll come up with a thousand different ways. We, we can be better. We must be better. Exactly. Yeah. And on that note, we're going to move into the closing of the show, which is our traditional Mary Fuck Kill. <laughs> because Hooray! if we don't do it now, we're never going to do it. Going from the uh, going from something extremely serious super, to something serious. absolutely yeah. ridiculously yeah. silly. Well, we started out with silly, so it's a, it's a bookend. Like, it is a bookend, and I you like know bookends. we started the show talking about the heat miser and snow miser, and what better way than to bring it back to Rankin and Bass with. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. So, <laughs> yeah. how we do this is, a traditional Mary Fuck Kill is Mary Fuck Kill, the three people that we play, uh, like, lay in front of you. So, you have Yukon Cornelius. <laughs> you have the Bumble, which is the Abdominable Snowman. And, of course, Abdominable. <laughs> abominable. He abominable. Took the sweet abs. <laughs> oh, man. Those abs might oh, be abdominable. Oh, he took the bell. oh, no, we got the bell still. Yeah! <laughs> I might have to give it to the uh, abdominable snowman. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm a few beers deep, too. I'm going to bring that up. And ultimately, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. So between those three characters, we're going to kick around to the group of six of us here and let everybody know our thoughts on this and move on and close out the show. So I'm going to start off tonight with Tim. So you might have noticed that uh, that the voice has changed. So... <laughs> um, Notwithstanding the fact that they told that we told you that Phil left, but <laughs> um, this is, I'm throwing on the spot here. I don't really have an answer other than um, the sick abs. <laughs> sick abs. Um. Well, I never really liked Rudolph, so. Rudolph has been the bane of my Christmas for a long, long time. So you were having venison for the Christmas dinner. Yes. Okay. And venison is delicious. It, so is, it is delicious. It is absolutely delicious. No one's going to deny that. So now, now it comes down to, well, obviously I'm going to kill Rudolph for the, the food. Because you got to eat what you kill. It's very true. Um, reindeer. So then it comes down to Mary and, and fuck. Um... I don't remember who the fuck Yukon Cornelius is. He was the prospector with a huge, huge stash and a red beanie. Well, well, if it comes down to between the two of them, marry the bump, marry the abdominable snowman, <laughs> sick abs, and then fuck uh, Yukon. Okay. I, I have really have no other answer. <laughs> I, I'm gonna kick it right next to Andrew. Um, alright. Because gonna... I know you're getting tired. I understand. <laughs> so yes. sleepy. Well, 
to break down on pros and cons to all of them for the kill, well, Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer, he's going to get killed. He can't marry her. I mean, you could fuck him. You can't marry him because he's going <laughs> to keep you up all night with his freaking bright red nose. I'm sorry. It's kind of like the episode of Seinfeld when, like, Kramer had, like, the Kentucky Fried or whatever it was, the neon sign outside of his window. He's like, I can't sleep, Jerry. I can't sleep. And let's be honest, who doesn't want Rudolph's head mounted over their fireplace? <laughs> it would make it also very nice rope. It would. Um, as far as marry and fuck, that's really tough. Because Yukon's got those handlebar mustache. <laughs> Some of them want to. True. But the bumble's covered in fur. <laughs> Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Going into furry territory here. <laughs> no chlorine? Yeah, so... I think I'd fuck the bumble, but I'd marry Yukon <laughs> because who doesn't want to have somebody you can mine for gold? That's true. <laughs> well, you're going to go next to Shannon. Yeah. Um, I'm going to kill the bumble. Oh, fuck Rudolph and there you go because um, gold. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Do you want to elaborate on the name or just that's exactly how you feel? Uh, you're like strong <laughs> for it, and that's how you're going. You're like I am tired and I want to go home and go to sleep. I haven't slept. <laughs> um, and I just took a huge test. Um, that's fair. I don't know. I just feel like I would have a lot of fun with that nose. <laughs> and moving on. So that's amazing. We're gonna go right next to Adrian. I find it funny that we've all picked different options because nobody has exactly the same thing. I actually would um I would kill the bumble because I'm not gonna fuck him and I'm not gonna marry him because that's <laughs> kinda food, that's though. kinda like, it's weeks worth. It's kinda and ew. blankets. Yeah, yeah it's, it's so super, super, super <laughs> ill. Um I would marry Rudolph because he was an outcast and he Aww. he knows what it's like to you know be lonely. He would be really really nice to you and like he would be a, he would be a really good husband. I mean he was really nice to you know Clarice. So um and then I you know because hello, hello I was thinking that I was thinking that I was in my head. Um, and then, like, I, I would, I would fuck Yukon just because he's like the one human in the group. And, I mean, honestly, I mean, granted, I guess it's if I'm marrying Rudolph, there's probably going to be some sexy time. But I mean, you, don't have you know, to. yeah, exactly. Red Rocket, yeah. Red Rocket. Yeah. <laughs> you took that from me. That was going to be my closer. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, so I would, I would fuck Yukon, marry time. Rudolph, and uh, kill the Bumble. Yeah. Um, mine is actually the same as Lynch's, but for different reason. Um, I am going to fuck you, Con Cornelius, because he's the only human. Um, sorry, Rudolph. I like Rudolph a lot, and he's adorable. But I want to marry the Bumble because I want to ride on his shoulders. And it'd be awesome. And he can just, like, carry me everywhere. And if I ever need to, like, beat someone up, he's just like, I'll show up and be like, bam, on top of the bumble. I can ride on his shoulders. And it would he'd, like, run around everywhere and intimidate everyone. <laughs> and we wouldn't have to, like, he'd just roll up and be like, what's up? Like, the Kool-Aid you'd man. He'd be like Nunu be awesome. from League of Legends. <laughs> the Kool-Aid yeah. man. Oh, no, oh, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Would he be a bumbling oaf? <laughs> but yeah, those are my reasonings. Alright, so 
I kind of looked at this list and I was really bummed there was no Island of Misfit Toys. Ah! Oh. Or, orgy. or Hermes and Dennis, because if you're going to marry somebody, you marry the fucking Dennis. Hell I mean, yeah, like, always. <laughs> but ultimately, with the list that's left in front of me, I got I look at Yukon uh, Cornelius, and my biggest thought is exactly what Yukon Cornelius always states in that show. He takes his pickaxe, goes into something, kicks it up in the air, catches it, licks it, and goes, nothing. So that's exactly how I feel about him, is nothing. So we're going to kill Yukon Cornelius with his own goddamn pickaxe. And that is that. So you move on to the Bumble and Rudolph. So Rudolph just got the red nose, and maybe that's because of, well, pleasure during any time of the month. So he's got his red wings because of the red nose. So that means he's game for anything. So you like Rudolph oh is the absolute Why? fuck prospect out of everything oh my here. God. So because he's up for an adventure, he's willing to go through the fog. You have no idea oh what's God. coming, but he's going for it. That is Rudolph's mo. He's diving in head first, and it shows. You have no idea what's coming. Oh. That's very, very true. Oh. All over face, neck, and chest, sir. Oh surprise butt sex. Nobody wants surprise butt sex. <laughs> Which leaves the Bumble to marry because obviously Yukon Cornelius was able to tame the beast. So yeah. it's a high possibility that you could have a really happy relationship. Three sexy times. Exactly. <laughs> the only downside is I don't want to think about the sexy times because of how big he is <laughs> and how small my butthole is. <laughs> so you just got to prep. You just got to prep. Lots and lots of lube, and you move on forward. You You know what? My thought thought process, when we were trying to make up the list of who the MFK was, my brain kept going back because I kept thinking Heat Miser, Snow Miser, so I kept thinking about Topper the Penguin. So from that same special, and I'm like, he's going to be the little lube master that comes around, the little penguin that carries a bottle of KY, and it's like, apparently you're about to have sex with the wife. You know. He could be like a gorilla. He could be, yeah. That's true. So, uh, he could be a taker. What's you know what? Sure. You know what? That's true. I <laughs> never. He is missing I, all the teeth. Yeah, it's true. He they did they did take all his teeth ooh, from him. Ooh, that would be ooh. Yeah, so it's yeah, it's yeah. that would be a probably be a, pretty interesting. Oh gum and, gums. And he's kind of ape like, so he's got thumbs, so he can do more. It's okay. So so I'm gonna say we're just gonna kill Yukon, fuck Rudolph, and marry the Bumble. So and I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that. So and that makes episode number eleven of the Caffeine Crew cast of pods. Yay! I wanna say thank you again for everybody being here tonight. Very special thanks again to Shannon for coming out for her first time tonight, and Adrian for her first podcast as well. Really wonderful to see Reap again. Um and how we always wrap this up before we fully close out, I'm gonna kick around the room, see if anybody's working on anything special. Creative project-wise. Creative project-wise, and if not, totally understandable. <laughs> um, first off, when we get to Shen, we want to say everybody here, congratulations on passing your massage therapy test Yay! today. Yay! Thank you for coming after a long day. Congratulations. Rolling, rolling. And, I'm uh, sorry, like, my brain wasn't more there. No, so you were great. You were awesome. Thank no. you so much for coming, and congratulations. Yay! Do you have anything special that you're doing or you want to share or what you're doing next? Um, well, during massage therapy school, I pretty much, most of the time, stayed away from games, so I'm just going crazy. That's awesome. Like, like you're not going to know I exist for like <laughs> months. Just all the gaming. I'm what is your first game you're gunning for because school is done? Dragon Age Inquisition. No! Long live Bioware. Skyrim, because that new, that new, what was it? Just came out. Like a the whole new expansion? New, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Thank you. Words. <laughs> Andrew, what is going on in your life, sir? Um, I am playing Dragon Age Inquisition, and <laughs> I'm playing a female elf and trying to have all of the sex with everything. <laughs> yes, I'm playing the female Kunari. Oh, I can't wait it? to just... It's amazing. And she's a I'm going to play that next. And I'm definitely just going to slot it out. It's going to be hilarious. <laughs> and as um, our good friends from Clockwork Dolls say, Ride the bull! <laughs> Go ride the pig! Cat, <laughs> what is going on with you? Um, I am, article-wise, uh, end of December, I'm going to be wrapping up the AMV roundups. and I'm the end of the AMV roundups. It is, and I'm going to switch gears next year. My daily will be anime songs. So oh, I'm gonna nice. go through songs from like openings, endings, theme songs. It's gonna be a lot of Nana Suchia. Oh god, yes, I love her. <laughs> and so it'll be a lot of that, and then the non-caffeine crew related stuff. Um, probably within the next month or so, Poisoned Apple, my contemporary Snow White novella, will be coming out in e-bookshelves. So, yeah, as well. Tim. So I just uh, posted an article uh, today of the recording that uh, kind of outlines what I've been doing with the site. I've been taking more of a backstage role with the uh, with the website, trying to do more technical stuff. Going to be helping out with the, the new website design, uh, producing this podcast and three others, Five and, and like three others. Um, <laughs> Well, no, two up, two others. Two others. Um, uh, Sean is actually heading up the redacted. Redacted. Uh, but we're moving ca- uh, chaotic neutral in a new direction, so we're trying to awesome. start congratulations that congratulations to you guys too. Um, and Shonen Show is 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 up and running now, yeah. so it's our anime podcast. Uh, if you ever need to know about anything about anime, listen to us. <laughs> and then you have uh, Lich's Armory, Lich's Armory, back. which is which will be coming back eventually. Um, with the new Arc of Sword Art online, there's a new sword. Uh, I still have to finish an old sword of of, of Asuna's. Um, but I got a couple more builds that that's that are going to be in the works soon. I'm aspiring to be a bowyer as well, so you might see a couple bow builds coming up. Uh, I can't wait for mine. Yeah, so, so awesome, Adrian. Alrighty, um, with Caffeine Crew, um, you know we're coming to the end of the year. When I do my awesome cosplay today, I'm going to continue that next year. I'm actually going to be starting to take suggestions, so people, you know, I'll put more information out there. But if you know people want to see particular cosplays, just you know, kind of. I'm going to have that kind of open. Uh, Non-caffeine crew, I am working on the edit for my current work in progress, which is a Final Fantasy VII fan fiction called Northern Lights. Um, it is about 160,000 words, mm-hmm. about halfway through. Um, it's pairs, my favorite ship, Sephiroth and Eris. Um, and I'm going to be... Going to penetrate Eris? Get... <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm working on that, and uh, it's going to be something where even if you have not played the game, you will be able to read it if you like paranormal romance, dark fantasy. Um, it's all good. I'm very <laughs> slowly going through it, because it's... Uh, I'm also working on an editing blog to go along with it. I have about, like, 55 editing blog posts, and... Uh, I'll be sharing that, you know, after everything's done. But, uh, yeah, just kind of, that's kind of what takes up all my time. (laughs) And for me, like I said, first thing before I say what I'm doing is I got to say it's really awesome because if you're listening to this podcast, that means we've been podcasting between Chaotic Neutral and us. It's been over a year. So, and it's been a year for the website. 
So Ooh, happy uh, one year anniversary yeah. to CaffeineCrew.com. And it's really awesome. And everybody at this table, it's been amazing for that to happen. And uh, look forward to, we're going to have a an original cast uh, podcast. It's going to be. For, Kat, uh, for Gaelic, uh, yeah, me yeah. and Kat and Lynch and EJ and, and hopefully Bench. Bench. Yeah. Which was how all of this started. Um, so it's pretty awesome. But it's really been cool to see that it's been a year later. And the mm-hmm. site has gotten better than ever. And it's going to get even more better than ever. That's one more of my better. More, more, more better. More gooder. More gooder. <laughs> it's going to get better than ever, though, because we are about to completely rework the website from the ground up. Um, that will hopefully be coming to you before January. Um, me and Tim are going to try that next week if we can. So it's going to be a work in progress. So if it's not quite right, we're going to be tweaking a lot of it. we got a lot of new audio equipment coming, too, for this show, which I'm really excited about. Plus, what I'm really geeking out about, too, is I got something called the Zoom H4N, which is my personal interviewer. So when I do interviews in the field going forward, especially with Wicked Fair coming up in February, I will have a really good audio source, and I'm pumped about it. But beyond my normal What the Fuck Wednesday, I've got something new that's going to be starting in January called The Introverted Gamer. Um, so it's going to be gaming news from the introverted side of the field. So the person that's not big about playing online and wants to have their solo single-player experience <laughs> and what it's like to be that in the gaming world as things expand mm-hmm. into the future. So, and I can't wait to bring that to you in the new year. But we want to say again, as we do at the end of every show, thank you so much for Tim for producing our show and doing all of our editing and making things easier for all of us. Yay, we, me! <laughs> we want to say so uh, thanks so much, too, to DJ Cutman for our intro, uh, our break music and our outro music. Thank you again so much. Yay. And as always, you can find us on YouTube. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook. Thanks. And I, I need to interject. It's uh, DJ Command does not do our our break music. Oh, never mind. Uh, uh, Techno Axe does our break Techno Axe does break music. But again, yeah. DJ Cutman <laughs> and, and, and Game Chops Records for our music as well. Um, but again, though, too, thank you so much for listening. Please make sure you go to CaffeineCrew.com. Check out the articles. That's what keeps us moving always. Please always reach out to us, too, at thecaffeinecrew at gmail.com. You go into Google to search Caffeine Crew, you will most likely find us through a thousand and one different ways. Thank you so much, and we'll see you in January, and have a Merry Christmas. Yay! Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas. Joyous Kwanzaa! <laughs> Happy Christmas, uh, Christmas Chris, Hanukkah. Christmas Hanukkah. Happy Chalukah. Yay, Solstice. <laughs> oh yeah, and Yule. And, and uh, Midwinter. Oh my god.